266-DY Tonellan, WZLB Valparaiso, Florida Man Radio. Something fresh and exciting. Somebody with a sock personality that'll sweep people right off their feet. Where is he? What is he up to? What other terrors can he unleash at will? Calling your genial host, renowned writer, art collector, and teller of strange tales. What fiendish power did he possess? Where did he come from? Who is this man? Believe me. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Band Radio Network for a Monday. Talk radio the way our founders intended. America, where we all know it is never ever under any circumstances okay to blame a woman for being raped unless she's a Jew and you go to Harvard day 1009 I mean they they're asking for it really Hey, put the Eric in America. Say hello to Easy. What's up? Good afternoon to you. Putting the heat in Heather. Hello. The is here. We'll do Dark History uh, Hour 3. Uh, our buddy Eric Matheny from Bob and Eric Save America podcast. Uh, final hour. Your remarks from the app in between. Some updates on the uh, war. <laughs> Is it okay to call it a war because Hamas isn't a nation? But I guess it's a conflict. Yeah, a kerfuffle. Yeah, if you will a dust up. <laughs> yeah, I'll say so. Have you seen the daytime aftermath shots of Gaza? I mean, the destruction there is unbelievable. Iran says Hamas is ready to unleash the hostages, but Israel won't stop the airstrikes, and they say. Uh, the, the, you know, releasing them requires a lot of planning and necessary measures, and such measures require preparations that are impossible under daily bombardment. Every time we step outside. Um, Hamas terrorists that are being detained right now by, by the IDF are um, being what they call tortured uh, by baby shark-style children's songs being played in a loop. Good, good. Yep. Um, it, it's uh, the song is called Mamtera Am Matara, which translates to sprinkler with a target. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the song is, is as torturous as uh, Baby Shark. Baby Shark would do it, too, I think, in any language. It's the universal torture song. Uh, they tried using it on prisoners in Oklahoma, and those guys got like released from prison because it was considered a human rights violation. <laughs> um, they're preparing, although Iran, you know, they're not supposed to be involved at all, but they are apparently speaking and communicating on behalf of Hamas. Say they're ready to release the hostages if Israel will just stop these airstrikes. Israel says, yeah, not quite yet. We're just getting ready to start the rest uh, of this thing. The... Um, they say right now the, the the airstrikes are increasing. They're ready to do the ground the ground war. Uh, the debate doesn't stop raging here at home. Um, 
<clears throat> Harvard is a prime example of what's going on in other Ivy League schools and other, you know, maybe, you know, your kid's campus, uh, where, you know, normally higher education and universities were a place of philosophical debate, political debate. I mean, that was the whole, you know, that that was the whole point of it. Um, not any longer. Kenneth Griffin has put Harvard on notice, billionaire Kenneth Griffin, that his funding uh, is dried up. Last year, he gave half a billion dollars to Harvard. Um, he told them they need to turn around and defend, you know, speak out in defense of, of, uh, of Israel. The Wexner Foundation has pulled their funding as well. The Ackerman CEO pledged not to ever hire people that <laughs> that signed these letters of support for uh, for Palestine, blaming Israel. Many others have signed it. Uh, Israeli billionaire Idan Ofer and his wife Batia have announced that they're quitting Harvard's Kennedy School of Government's executive board. I imagine some of their money will go with them as they depart. Um, that you know, sympathizing with terrorists. I mean, we've come full circle. I mean, there were people after nine nine eleven that that you know came out in support of Muslims, and now uh, America, you know, the far far we deserved what we got, and uh, uh, you know, this is what we got for because we're colonizers and blah blah blah. Um, and and we, I hope we have settled that debate that it's impossible for Israel to be considered a colonizer. Uh, in this in this case, but I think inaction against anti-Semitism and inaction and and certainly support and sympathizing with terrorists is going to come at grave financial cost. Um, and they're seeing it right now. That statement at uh, at from uh, Harvard was a big big deal. Uh, one uh, student said it's really, really scary time to be a Palestinian and to be someone who feels morally compelled to speak out about the Palestinian perspective in an environment that's so hostile to it and also in an environment where it feels that the perspective is not present at all. As the Palestinian Solidarity Committee canceled a vigil scheduled for uh, earlier this week to mourn all lives of the conflict. That's one of those deals. You know, they do that. Oh, no, we're... Well, we, yeah, which we, we don't like any death at all. Especially how the Jews are killing, you know... Uh, <laughs> Um, they have some credible safety concerns or a lot of students that have been persecuted. They say, uh, groups say they're being flooded with racist hate speech and death threats. I saw some girls crying on TV while I was, uh, uh, uh out of town about, uh, how they're, they're, you know, Jewish girls that are on campus on, at Harvard, they don't feel safe. Would you? No, I mean, when you walk through campus and there's a bunch of people uh, chanting death to Jews, it's yeah. probably not a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it's not a real warm environment. Why, why is it that all, <clears throat> all feelings of safety, you know, I've, I'm going to play for you later, a girl that's just crying and lost her mind because her a coworker won't call her they, them. It, it, it's pathetic what they've done to these people. But, I mean, you know, workplaces bent over backwards and, and, and college campuses, we have safe spaces for this they, them persons or, or this person who feels that they're a person of color who, who feels like they've been uh, oppressed and, and this is, they need a safe space. But if you're a Jewish woman on campus and, and uh, people are yelling death to Jews, death to Jews, well, that's what you get for being Jewish, I suppose, in the Ivy League. Yeah, I've seen people trying to actually make that distinction. That they're like, oh, I mean, 
sure you, you know you can't help it your your race is being colonizers and you know you've got those people in open air prisons so of course you're bad <laughs> oh uh i want to play speaking of that a muslim scholar this guy's a uh uh some mufti or other i forget it's the he's a muslim scholar he's reacting to idiotic things that people are saying about this conflict in this case it is um uh mia khalifa Khalifa's misinformation on history. Israel has only been a state since 1948. <laughs> Palestine is thousands of years old. I remember this guy. Jesus Christ on a motorbike. <laughs> Sorry, Mia, you are wrong. Israel is 3,000 years old, 75 years young. And this is not coming from a Jew, but from a proud Muslim. The prophets of God whom I believe in were Israelites. A significant number of these prophets disseminated their teachings in the land of Canaan. A land which Joshua bin Nun later renamed... Israel. And then King David proclaimed Jerusalem as the nation's capital. Yes, Mia, it wasn't Donald J. Trump. It was King David. Even Jesus of Nazareth, Mia, called the land Israel in the Gospel of Matthew. People say stupid things. Elon Omar posts a picture of dead children uh, uh, that were uh, lined up and along with the phrase child genocide in Palestine. And I don't know if people, you'd think that someone like Ilan Omar would be wise enough to, to, to would know that you can get metadata on these things. And, you, you know, and, and not only that, you, you'll, you could search the, the, uh, the image itself and find out where it, where it came from using Google Images. The photo exactly uh, uh, showed, I don't know, eight kids uh, lined up dead bodies. It's not from the Gaza Palestine uh, deal. It is from. Um, uh, uh, the Bashir al-Assad's chemical attack, sarin gas attack on his own people uh, in Syria in August of 2013, 10 years ago. And, uh, I mean, she's a, a, a sitting congresswoman. And she knowingly tried to pull the wool over your eyes, uh, inflame the situation, and... Uh, and blame Israel for something, you know, that a, that a Muslim did to his own Muslim people. Yeah, and has no retraction, has not apologized for it. I mean, that's, that's, uh, talk about misinformation. She, these, it's the liberals that, that, that say that we're, we're being flooded with misinformation. Here is the one of the leaders, squad member, hardcore Palestinian advocate, Ilan Omar. Lying to you, coming up with with horrible, horrid uh, uh, misinformation. Uh, you want to talk about? I mean, this is this is the uh, this should be Webster's Dictionary's definition or example of misinformation. Uh, you see this on the screen? Be ready to deploy. I'm, you know, my. I was going to wait a minute talk about this, but I think we're looking for a war. Oh, we want one. I think we're badly, we're looking for a war. We need to, you know, this, this administration needs some, some type of, uh, goodwill. Oddly enough, the, uh, <laughs> uh sending our, 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 our men and women into battle and putting their lives at risk is a show of strength to some people. 
Yeah, and I think we looked at the Ukraine Russia one for a while, and we were kind of just poking it with a stick. Like, all right, come on, Russia, do something more so right. we can actually get into this. And- yeah, because no, we can't keep funding this deal forever. Uh, they sent a second carrier group there to the region, uh, not to become part of. Listen, there people say, well, they're going to use American weaponry against Pal- in, against Gaza. That's not going to happen. Um, what's likely to happen is we are going to be out there to warn other people not to mess with Israel. And and when they do, and somebody engages the United States, it, whether it be uh, Lebanon uh, or Iran, and some with it, it's off. It's off to the races, man. And the the military industrial com- complex starts churning into gear, and we get a war machine going, and uh, and who knows what it turns into. You know, for example, uh, Ukraine has suspended their elections. They should be in one right now. But, you know, all this war and <laughs> I mean, we can I mean, uh, uh, Zelensky's got plenty of time to come to the United States and to go to, you know, he he was going to go to Israel. Uh, wasn't he going to go to Israel? He, no, he, they declined. Yeah, they, yeah I was going to say. He BB, tried to. Yeah, yeah, he said, no, thanks. We don't need you right now. But by the way, aren't you a bunch of Nazis anyway? <laughs> um if he's got enough time to do, you know, give speeches here and there and make, you know, come make sure the United States, he's got time to uh, uh, campaign. Yeah, because they know that a man that is an actual general or has been in politics would probably de- defeat him pretty handily, you know, the actor. Right. Well, you know, at a time of war, your people are going to go, hey, maybe we should, we should vote in the guy that's the general that knows what he's doing. Um, you know, and you, when you put this together with things that our politicians are saying uh, and they're saying a lot of the broader region of course you like said this week that the Graham. only way to keep the war from escalating is to hold Iran accountable part yes. of what you're talking about now <laughs> and that it might mean bombing their oil refineries yeah. have you had any discussions with the Biden administration about this? Uh, a bit uh, I want to applaud President Biden for his strong statement in support of Israel. I just got off the phone to the Israelis. Uh, their goal is to... Israel? I his finds of his support of Israel? Destroy Hamas in the south and try to save as many innocent Palestinians as possible to prevent escalation north from Hezbollah. Here's my message. If Hezbollah, which is a proxy of Iran, launches a massive attack on Israel, I will consider that a threat to the... Um, to, to the state of Israel, existential in nature, I will introduce a resolution in the United States Senate to allow military action by the United States in conjunction with Israel to knock Iran out of the oil business. Iran, if you escalate this war, we're coming for you. Is that just big talk, or is that just Lindsay itching to get into some uh, uh, some warring? No, I think we are itching to get into war. I, I do believe that our uh, pretty much, you want to call them swamp people, the establishment, D.C. people, in their minds, they think that war will kick this economy back up again. That yeah. we can boost up, we can get the factories running, we can get people uh, building bombs and doing right. all this stuff. And, and a U.S. involvement, military involvement in a, in a big conflict, which it will, and who knows what... Who gets what players get involved if China somehow gets involved and and if we're involved in some skirmish with Iran and 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 uh, you know uh, uh, Lebanon or Syria or whatever, you can bet your ass China's going to go and and move on Taiwan. We've got global chaos. 
Yeah, we will head to a World War Three, and it'll be because of the president we have currently and his choices he has made. Well, somebody's made. Right. I mean, we don't need to be. Uh, I mean, we. I think one carrier group is enough to. Right. I mean, how, how many? How many? Can someone help us out here? How many uh, fighter jets can? I know there's like five thousand troops on a carrier, but how many uh, uh, aircraft are on it? I mean. Again, we we put in there for what? I mean, Israel can defend itself against Palestine without. Oh, I guess Hamas. Yeah, they've yeah. got that under control. So we're just standing there on the other side, just like, all right, Iran, just keep over there. Uh, don't do anything silly. Well, you've got Hezbollah from the north now, and you know, all most of this funded by Iran. Now. Christopher Ray is warning that we ought to all be on the lookout here in the United States for a Hamas-style attack. <laughs> Potential copycat attacks on U.S. soil. He urged all Americans, and especially law enforcement, to be extra cautious about ripple effects. History has been witness to anti-Semitic other forms of violent extremism for far too long. We remain committed to continue confronting those threats. In a heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats. We've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence on their own. Um, he said, hopefully they'll be taking a break from tracking down Trump supporters and confront this. <laughs> That's some of the responses. Uh, well, I, you know. He said he's not going to divulge any specific domestic threats the Bureau may be, have received, but they're, they say they're receiving them. Yeah, that's that's worrisome to me. Because we went out first and said, well, no, no chance. There, Come on, there's nobody here. We don't have to worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Uh, that was on Thursday before we were supposed to head into the Friday uh, day of jihad that never really got off the ground. Right. And just, nothing happened. I was on an airplane Friday the 13th. Go into Sunday and all of a sudden now it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to watch out for copycats. It just, I don't know. Uh, when you hear the people that always say the uh, the false flag things that push us into war, this those are the ones you're going to watch out for. When all of a sudden we went from there, don't worry about it. You know, Gulf chance, of Tonkin. And all of a sudden now, now we've got, uh, oh, yeah, I definitely, oh, you probably shouldn't go outside anymore. Who knows what could happen. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, we'll do mail-in ballots again. It'll be super safe. Uh, yeah, because there's, there's terrorists running around everywhere. I don't know if it's going to go that far. Well, for example, Macron has called up 7,000 soldiers to be mobilized in a increase, increase security uh, patrols in what they're calling a, an Islamic attack on a teacher, um, stabbed to death, and gravely wounded two other people at a school in Arras in northern France. Uh, the Louvre has been uh, evacuated. Uh, they got a bomb threat. The interior minister says uh, there's a, other security alerts coming from the uh, Rugby World Cup. Less than a year than before the Olympics go to Paris. Um, and they just got over mass rioting, so you know they're on edge as well already. Yeah, by their own, by their own you know, and plus they've, they've been uh, the, the Bataclan attacks. You've got uh, the magazine. What the hell's the, who did the, the Muhammad uh, cartoon? They, oh. McDonald's has taken it in the, in, the, in the shorts over there because they sent uh, IDF a bunch of food. <laughs> they've been giving Big Macs and fries to soldiers after they've been, uh, you know, going to work there. They said they've been providing free meals. 
And the, the franchisee said, we should be standing by our principles and take actions that align with our beliefs. This guy wants to boycott McDonald's because supporting companies that are involved in conflicts is wrong, especially when it comes uh, to the loss of innocent lives. Update that uh, already yesterday, we've donated 4,000 meals, mainly to hospitals and military units, and they intend to donate thousands of meals every day to soldiers in the field and in drafting areas. Um, they opened five restaurants that they own solely for this purpose, just to churn out Big Macs and fries for the uh, for the troops. Yeah, but it's not the McDonald's Corporation. It's right. franchises. It's, a, it's around. Israeli-owned franchises. You've got a handful of them over there. And, uh, you know, what are you going to boycott? Look, let's face it. Liberal boycotts never work, A. And, you know, you can't boycott Big Mac. Come on. I'm also curious how they're keeping their fries warm, though, because I can't get down, like, five miles down the road without the fries being absolutely cold. So how are they getting out to... The fries are used for the people that drive the Big Macs to the field. They, <laughs> they, they eat those on the way to... And they get there, like, a few in the bottom of the bag, and they're like, ah. Oh, um, uh, we got to... When we return, even Chucky Schumer is uh, rejecting all the... He's rejecting a ceasefire. This is something that the, 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 the uniparty right and left can come together on. Right? War. <laughs> this, that's it. it. That's what's going to unify us. War. Oh, thank God. Hang on. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. I'll be honest. The first few months were tough. When I left the military, I was excited for a fresh start. But civilian life has been harder than I thought it would be. Figuring out a new career while also being a good mom, wife, and friend. Some days I'm barely keeping my head above water. And with the transition and everything I'm juggling, I'm spread too thin. I finally realized that it's hurting my mental health. To get back to enjoying life again, I needed to get help. Opening up to someone was a big step for me. I, I saw that I'm not alone and that there are tools to help me overcome what I'm going through. With support, I feel like I'm heading in the right direction. Discover how other women veterans like me have learned to thrive after military service by taking care of themselves and their mental health. Visit maketheconnection.net slash women veterans. Every three minutes, a baby is born with a cleft, making it difficult to talk, hear, eat, and even breathe. Many won't receive the treatment they need to thrive. Through training and financial support, Smile Train gives the power of healing back to local communities so they can provide life-changing surgeries and other services at no cost to families. Help us change the world one smile at a time. To learn more, visit smiletrain.org slash learn. Excuse me, madam. You're standing still in a no-parking zone. If you don't get a move on that body, I'll be forced to give you a ticket. So Biden uh, allegedly was considering a visit to Israel. I'm sure that was all talk because there's no way he's going to. They're going to let. He's no way he's going to Israel. Netanyahu gave him a, an invite, and uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. Schumer. This is how they come together right here. This is what you you get Schumer and 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 Lindsey Graham uh, uh, tangoing down the, the middle aisle uh, about war. 
the ghost of John McCain is 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 singing "Bomb Iran" right now. Oh, no doubt. Uh, he said, "If the threat of Hamas is not eliminated, they will do it again." Uh, AOC has called for a ceasefire. Um, Corey Bush uh, says we can't bomb our way to peace. And the squad members are uh, this is this is this would be the end of <laughs> of America. They're calling for up to a million Palestinian uh, uh, Palestinian refugees being brought to the United States. Uh, can you imagine on top of the seven million? By the way, they've 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 uh, detained some quote Iranians of interest at the southern border. Yeah, they're just super cool guys. That's yeah, what. so you know they're an interesting Iranian dude. Just happen to be coming into America from the southern border. Uh, literally, the uh, today the left is calling in the United States to take in one million Palestinian refugees. No way, insane. It, yeah, it would absolutely, and I'm sure they'd probably jump, dump them all in Dearborn. <laughs> oh, it'll be uh, like South Dakota or Montana or anywhere that there's large swaths of spaces that they can just dump an entire population, make a town out of it. Jamal Brown stated the U.S. should be prepared to welcome refugees from Palestine uh, while being careful to vet and not allow members of Hamas to come on because we, you know, we, we're, you know we'll be good and just get, you know, the, only the good ones. Yeah, of course, all the seventh and seven and eight year old kids that are talking about how they play stab the Jew every day. Stab the Jew. You can vet that. What are you going to leave them behind? Or you just think once they get America, they're going to put on a Yankees cap and say how much they love America right. from here on out? You've heard them talk. Ask any average Palestinian, either here or there. <laughs> and they'll tell you that they are, I don't know, I'm like, not going to put everyone in that one. But, you know, uh, certainly, uh, I'm sure uh, Jamal Bowman. Uh, with a couple of drinks, you might get him to admit that he approves of the slaughtering of innocent Israelis. That would change America. We've already, I mean, more than it's already been changed by the open borders we've lived with for three years. A million? Uh, I wouldn't put it past them to do it. It's the right thing to do. We're America, you know. And we're, you know, it's the right thing. That's what we do. We help people, you know, and the people. So are we going to bring a cargo jet into Palestine land and just start (laughs) loading people up to bring them over? I mean, how are we expecting to get a million people over here for that? Um, They, a boat? I don't know. Uh, When asked if we're prepared to get into another war... If we, we can handle uh, uh, Ukraine and Israel at the same time, here's Biden's response. Scott Pelley had an interview. He he said it was horrible. <laughs> he said the president was barely awake. He was super tired. I had to finish some of his sentence. The man couldn't remember words. Are the wars in Israel and Ukraine more than the United States can take on at the no, same time? We're the United States of America, for God's sake. Yeah, the most powerful nation in the history, not in the world, in the history of the world. History, the history of the world. History, we can take care of both of these and still maintain our overall international defense. 
we have the capacity to do this, and we have an obligation to. We are the essential nation, as to, to, to exactly. paraphrase the former Secretary of State. And if we don't, who does? We're in the United States, Jack. Come on. Yeah. Uh, not only uh, are we the United States, Jack, uh, we have plenty. We can certainly afford this. See this week, and he said, this is the most threatening and challenging geopolitical environment that I've ever seen. At the same time, the U.S. is in its weakest fiscal position since World War II, with debt to GDP at 122%. Can, can America, can the West, afford another war at this time? Janet Yellen. I, I think the answer is absolutely. Um, America can certainly afford to stand with Israel and to support Israel's military needs. We can't support our own needs. We're, our, the coffers are low. There's nothing there. We've every our generals admitted we're running low on ammunition. We, ha, we you know we need to fire it up. Yeah, we can support two wars that we're not in. Not to mention the fact that oh, we can afford it. We're, the interest payments, at, what is it, $4 billion a day in interest payments? With GDP to uh, uh, debt ratio 122%? <laughs> oh, yeah, we got this. <laughs> um, did you catch any of, uh, I'm sure you saw some of the uh, hits from Biden yesterday, or Pelly's deal. Uh <laughs> Biden says he needs to run again to achieve world peace. He's you know, doing a great job right now. The world peace that we had on January 20th, <laughs> 2021, that world peace. Are you sure that you want to run again? Yes, because I'm sure. Look, when I ran, I said the world's at an inflection point. The world's changing. But we have an opportunity to make it. So imagine if we were able to succeed in getting the Middle East put in place where we have normalization of relations. I think we can do that. Imagine what happens if we, in fact, unite all of Europe and Putin is finally put down where he cannot cause the kind of trouble he's been causing. We have enormous opportunities. Are you? Enormous opportunities to scam millions of dollars from American people. So is that going to be the his, his uh, that's his uh, 2024 slogan? He, he, he's got we need to we need to reelect this guy, but we get world peace again. That's what, I mean. He's got to do it. He's the only guy. Look how strong he is. I mean, he projects strength every time he walks out to that helicopter. I think there goes a strong leader right there. Yes, Biden 2024. Watch him try to fix his own mess. <laughs> I mean, the, the nerve of that whole. I mean. We had the Abram Accords. Putin hadn't done anything and wouldn't had Trump been reelected. You could bet your ass. But, yeah, he's got to stick around. We got to get that world peace going. Here he is. Uh, here he is giving uh, Hezbollah some advice that oof, I'm sure Hezbollah shaking in their tablecloths this morning. There's limited fighting already on the northern Israeli border. And I wonder what is your message to Hezbollah? and its backer, Iran. Don't. Don't, don't, don't. No, no, no. Don't come across the border. Don't escalate this war. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, There's limited right. fighting already. What you said. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah. What else? What else do you think should be? <laughs> You're doing a great job.
Uh, yeah, well, that's just... Uh, don't, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Some Illinois man has been... Uh, he stabbed a six-year-old Muslim boy to death 26 times. And his mom is uh, in, in bad shape. He uh, His name is uh, Joe Zuba. Uh, he They were his uh, tenants. He's 71 years old. And you know, immediately when this story came out, they went, ah, oh, we got a white guy. He killed some uh, Muslim guy. Uh, that's what... You know, Trump supporters, that's why he's got to be. A, they show, you saw the guy's picture, you're like, oh, we can't milk this. That guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's a crazy old guy. The guy is absolutely, uh, looks like, I'm surprised. He doesn't look like a guy that owns a piece of property that he could rent. You know what I mean? A very unstable guy, but uh, horrible. Bad stuff. Uh, yeah, the special interest uh, Iranians. Uh, I don't know. That kind of raises, I mean, a red flag. They're, you know, of a, a fairly significant terror attack. Um, at a, at a, at a, you know, at a perfect time. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I can't fathom what it would be, and it could be, you know, all this is all just speculation, but I'm not the only one speculating. The FBI is speculating. Uh, there are 1.5 million gotaways. Remember that? Those are people that were not apprehended at the border. They did not want to be apprehended at the border for a reason. Think about that. Everyone else that comes across the border is glad to, to give Uncle Sam the 411 on them. Who they are. Here's their you know ID. Here's where I'm from. I'm leaving because the tortilla closed, factory closed in Honduras. I need work. Uh, and they go, oh, that's terrible. And here's your cell phone and a, and a lot of walking around money. And uh, your, here's your uh, reservation at the La Quinta for a couple of nights, you know, so you guys can shower up and get And 1.5 million of them got away. Uh, they did not want to be apprehended because they did not want the United States necessarily to know that they're here. Yeah, uh, just we were talking about that. There's people that want to let the United States know they're here because uh, Chicago, they just uh, approved nine thousand dollars per immigrant family for uh, rental assistance and to furnish your new place. Oh man, they're gonna riot in Chicago. <laughs> Furniture too, huh? Yeah, that's <laughs> looking like Kia gets your gets your ticket tossed. Well, I mean, the nine thousand. They're like, <laughs> oh, I mean, no college cost you about three to move in, so you got six thousand. Get How yourself many? a couple of, uh, TVs, a nice uh, end table. You guys have an air fryer? They're really good. <laughs> if you ever put a tortilla into an air fryer, mm. delicious. Yeah. You want to reheat some nachos? Perfecto. <laughs> That's not going to go over well. This, this worries me. This, uh, at, uh, at this point, uh, one dude from uh, Iran, uh, two males from Lebanon, one Egyptian. Uh, that's just on Thursday. They're all special interests aliens. Um, and they're going to go undergo special interests vetting. And and then what? Are we just going to still let them go? Or yeah, yeah <laughs> we why did not? Suspense, yeah, we looked. They said okay. they were cool. Yeah, they, you know, we found out who they were, and uh, you know, they're they're all right. Uh, this that Scott Pelly interview. He said the president looks very very tired. He barely opened his eyes that entire entire interview. If you look at any clips. Was it too bright in there? Or maybe he, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know why they even aired that. They, 
the White House let him do that interview and air it because he did. He looked like his eyes were closed the whole time. Pelly was spending most of the time reading the answers that Biden was supposed to be giving back. Right. It is weird. It was like watching uh, someone uh, try to coax their grandfather into telling him a story. <laughs> Remember that time, Grandpa? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and and, and you know, when you did that thing, right? Um. The, the cardinal that represents Pope Francis has offered himself up to Hamas in exchange for all the child hostages. All right, let's trade them out. Uh, he said uh, his name is uh, Cardinal Pier Battista Pizzabala. <laughs> Pizzabala. A Latin patriarch of Jerusalem proposed the swap in response to a question during a video. He said, I'm ready for an exchange. Anything, if this could lead to freedom to bring the children home, no problem. This is total willingness. There is total willingness on my part. The first thing to do is try to win the release of the hostages. Otherwise, there'll be no way of stopping escalation. We're willing to help, even me personally. Uh, Pizza Bottle did note, however, that he and his office had not yet had any direct communication with Hamas since the attack. Uh, he said, you can't talk to Hamas. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And then, kids called out of the, the the home office. They got a call from there from Hamas. It's like, hey, yeah, we'll trade him. He was like, I don't know. He can't get a hold of him. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I get a busy signal every time we take a call. <laughs> uh, yeah, he just said he ran by the Pope. Pope said he was cool with it. Um, I don't. Uh, I don't know that we're they're in negotiations to open up something in Egypt. But I don't know if that's going to happen. There's, they estimate one now. There's 199 people being held hostage. That's what they think. Yeah, hard to tell though. Right. You'd think that they would have said something. Maybe. Maybe we, they can't. At some point, you announce, you know, the people and what you want, what your demands are, or you, you know, or you don't, and you kill them. Sadly. So our own governor went down and uh, did some rescuing, went over. Uh, he didn't go over personally. He arranged it. Uh, and, our, and our own Double uh, H has a friend who was uh, rescued by Governor uh, DeSantis, correct? Correct. He, she was in, uh, what, do you know where she was? Tel Aviv? Um, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's Harish, H-A-R-I-S-H. Yeah. And yeah. it's about two hours away from Gaza, she told me. All right. Yeah. And she's back in the United States safe? She's in Claremont now, yep. She's back. Well, and her a, kids, three kids, teenagers. That's a, a big switch from from Israel near Warzone to Claremont. <laughs> <laughs> Here's uh, what the DeSantis had to say. We're here at Tampa Airport. We are having our first flight of people being rescued from Israel. It has landed. Over 260 people that wanted to get back to the United States and couldn't do it. Uh, there was a devoid of leadership, so we stepped up and led. Uh, we're happy to be able to deliver this. So we're getting ready to welcome them back to the United States of America. A void of leadership. I mean, did they? I don't know that, that um, the administration brought anybody home. They would have, certainly would have uh, worn that on their sleeve. Uh, no, we told them, that. yeah, we got a couple uh, boats that are going to be in the area. We no, t- set a cruise ship over yeah, here. Yeah, tickets are still uh, $300 a ticket. Uh, <laughs> that's, that does include, that's not uh, open bar either. Yeah, no, you actually. can buy the drink package if you want it. <laughs> uh, also, the oh. uh, entertainment, the uh, Blue Man Group uh, parody group is not, yeah, it's not included. <laughs> no, yeah, they're not coming with it. Um. It's good. We're maybe it, maybe we're involved in some type of conflict. S- some of the members of our military will shed some pounds. 
We get them out there uh, running around in the desert. 70% of active, active duty military members are overweight. The obesity rate is double of it was what it was a decade ago. 68% are overweight or, or obese. Now, we know that those numbers, you know, if you go... They're using BMI, so those numbers are all over the place. But still, you know, look at uh, uh, the military photographs from World War II and, uh, and you know, uh, uh, Vietnam and, and find a fat guy. American Security Project, <laughs> they commissioned this report. Uh, over a third are overweight or obese. Uh, this was listed as the leading disqualifier for military applicants, as well as being the primary reason for injuries during service or medical discharges. Great. You got too fat and you got discharged. Or you're so fat you fell on something and hurt yourself and yeah. got discharged. The obesity category is more than doubled. Calculations are compiled using this standard BMI, which tends to underestimate obesity when compared to more advanced systems. The Military Times reports that the study suggested all those with high BMI need to be passed on to doctors who specifically treat obesity. Well, I'll just give a bunch of Ozempic up there. I'm surprised we're not. Really, that is a surprise that our military hasn't snatched up as much as they can. Yeah. Well, here's a little more surprising is that the American Medical Association announced that it updated their policy regarding BMI. We talked about this before before because of the historical harm and racist exclusion. Mm, Because, you know, our military is really, really, really woke. Uh, uh, Tomorrow we're voting for speaker or they're voting for speaker. And, you know, I, I, I don't know how. Jim Jordan, I hope that somebody can get the required 217. I hear that nobody can. Jim Jordan's been writing letters, uh, making phone calls. I know there's been a couple of defectors uh, that have decided to come over and and support him and vote for him. Um, and I think one of them, uh, you know, say what you will, he's a terrorist uh, legislator, whatever they say. Um, there's a, a, a good reason they don't, I think, I think a, one of the reasons was because he's a he believes the 2020 election was uh, hanky. I, I don't know how you can ever convince me that President Trump didn't actually win this thing mm-hmm. based on all the, the things you see, the 11 million more votes. He won 19 to 20 bellwether counties. He won Ohio by eight, Iowa by eight, Florida by three. Somehow it doesn't become. So you go through all the things. I get all that. It's exactly what the Democrats wanted. They knew President Trump was going to win on election night, but they wanted to keep looking for and finding and counting ballots until they got over the top. They were going to win the election after the election, and that's what they did with this crazy mail-in ballot scheme. The the American people deserve to hear the truth on Wednesday. They deserve to understand what exactly took place in these states where they did not follow the the, the Constitution. They couldn't do it in a constitutional fashion, so they changed election law in an unconstitutional manner. There was fraud on top of the unconstitutional... You notice the things that he talks about? Aren't the uh, uh, they, they're the solid provable fraud? The changing of election laws, which nobody talks about anymore, because it happened and it was unconstitutional. Uh, and and he's the guy that will pursue those. Uh, I I believe constitutional way they ran the election. Then they added fraud on top of it. And that's why President Trump wasn't elected president. Got 11 million more votes than he did in 2016. And House Republicans won 27 of 27 toss-up races. But somehow, the guy who never left his house, 
wins the election? When you have over 70 percent of the 75 million who voted for President Trump think the election was rigged, that's 50 some million people, over a third of the electorate. That is a very, very unhealthy situation. That's, I think, the reason that because he's that kind of guy. Whether or not he picks that ball up and runs with it uh, or sees any value in pursuing it, because they've largely made you look like a lunatic if you believe that. So the people that have those beliefs keep them to themselves, which, by the way, is exactly the way, way they would love. Yeah. Just uh, and shut up. He, his are not insane beliefs. It's like you said, they're the kind of the top end of the questionable ones. Like, hey, right. you, know, you change a bunch of laws that really technically wouldn't be constitutional to do. Right. And, you did it anyway. And, and they're like, the, the number one, uh, you know, argument, one of them is that against the notion that the that it was rigged somehow is it oh he failed all of his 65 uh, uh lawsuits against it they're all but they're all tossed uh for status you know i mean we know that none of his uh uh, uh evidence ever reached the court um but he is uh he's doing meetings and meetings and meetings one at a time and i see that one at a time there are those that are coming across that are going to vote for him yeah i mean he's flipped a lot of people uh, i mean one of them was uh, mike rogers from alabama was a big one because yep. for a while there was rumors he was actually trying to talk to the democrats about flipping people right which would have been a Horrible. career suicide for him yeah. oh yeah uh, when we return uh i want to play uh <laughs> A, a a little montage of a of a handful of billionaires in the San Francisco uh, in that area Bay Area that are finally admitting that uh, they were wrong and that Trump was actually a pretty damn good president. <laughs> pretty pretty good stuff. Um, also, Pete Davidson opens SNL uh, on a with a very little unfunny speech. Well, got I've got that for you too. It's the Shannon Burke Show on Florida Man Radio Network. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. WFYY HD3 Windermere, WXUS HD3, W266DY Donellan, WZLB Valparaiso, Florida Man Radio. Uh, I had a busy weekend. There's a family business to do in Texas, and then I took advantage of the, my sisters go to the state fair. Which is Texas State Fair is phenomenal. I went. I didn't get nearly enough time to see all the good stuff, but I was there with my little nieces and nephews, and the little kids wanted to ride the rides and blah blah blah. It's you know. Did you get you some fried butter? No, I did have a very satisfying Fletcher's corn dog, uh, a very unsatisfying fried Twinkie. I mean, that was the thing, which just a 
like a greasy sponge that was a little sweet. But I, I'm here to tell you that the fried Snickers is quite a treat. If you haven't had one, I, I suggest it. I recommend it highly. <laughs> and, I, and I got out of there before the shooting they had. Uh, they had a shooting the uh, following night. <laughs> Just a little, you know. You got to be dumb to pull a gun at the Texas State Fair. Yeah, you. That, I loved what they were trying to always. Oh, there's potential uh, mass shooting. There. No, not no, a no, chance. No. <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> If you're, you know, licensed, uh, they don't care. Whoever, you know, practically everyone is carrying one there. But then I had my took advantage of the weekend, and there was a 40th and well, a couple of years of of, of high school I went to. The Episcopal School of Dallas had a a reunion, and um, I'm like, uh, what do you call it? It's honorarily in, in, uh, invited, even though I didn't graduate from there. I was my best friends from that era, for, from that school, so saw a lot of people. Uh, my wife got to meet yet another girlfriend of mine, <laughs> former girlfriend of mine. They don't have the picture up in the office of you about not letting you into there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now they don't, but it was a great time. It was a good time. Uh, we didn't talk anything about uh, Trump's this gag order. They want to put that dude in jail. The idea of him in handcuffs is they've just all got a boner for it. I mean, have you ever heard anything like that before? No, no. This is it, man. This is how they are going to ultimately silence and and uh, prevent from you know competing with them politically in that arena is to silence them in this way. You can't say anything about the what on earth have you ever been ever heard? A judge telling a defendant in a case that he couldn't have uh, his freedom of speech and voice his displeasure with the case, with the prosecutor, with uh, witnesses, with you know, and just not being able to say anything that he wanted to say about it. No, I never before. I, I can't think of a time where they've said that. It's it's pretty impressive precedent. Now, honestly, I think it's ruining their case because it is just going to make it easier for when he does appeal it to go up the line and say, hey. Yeah. The whole time I was under a gag order, I couldn't even talk about my case. Right. Which, you know, it seems a little unfair. Well, yeah, totally unfair. I mean, a lot of lawyers would say don't talk about the case. But, uh, but you know, in his, in, in his, in this situation, though, him talking about the case is how absurd the case is to begin with. The case really is a basically a free speech issue in the first place. <laughs> and... So you can't talk about how the free how free speech is being attacked. We put a gag order on you, so we take away your freedom of speech. Oh, wow. Um, but, um, meanwhile, uh, Biden's reelection campaign says they've outraged Trump, DeSantis, and Haley. I can't believe that they hauled in seventy one million dollars in July through September in that third quarter. Some people want more of this. Yeah, I'd like to see the donor rolls on that and see what corporations and things like that are donating large chunks because there's no way that the groundswell people gave $73 million. Oh, yeah, that's not small donations, <laughs> you know, individual, you know, $20 do- donations. That is, uh, well, most of it's probably just bouncing back from Ukraine. Uh, the, what's his name? Pete Davidson. A weird guy. Uh, I've seen him do funny stuff. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not completely unfunny. 
He had a very serious opening uh, for Saturday Night Live. He, you know, he lost his dad in 9-11. His dad was a firefighter. This week, we saw the horrible images and stories from Israel and Gaza. And I know what you're thinking. Who better to comment on it than Pete Davidson? <laughs> well, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, I am a good person to talk about it because when I was seven years old, uh, my dad was killed in a terrorist attack. So I know something about what that's like. Um, I saw so many terrible pictures this week of children suffering, uh, Israeli children and Palestinian children. And uh, it took me back to a really horrible, horrible place. And, um, you know, no one in this world deserves to suffer like that, you know, especially not kids, you know. Um, after my dad died, my mom tried uh, pretty much everything she could do to cheer me up. I remember one day when I was eight, uh, she got me what she thought was a Disney movie, uh, but it was actually the Eddie Murphy stand-up special, Delirious. <laughs> Uh, and we played it in the car on the way home, and, and when she heard the things Eddie Murphy was saying, uh, she tried to take it away. Um, but then she noticed something. Uh, for the first time in, in a long time, I, I was laughing again. Um, I don't understand it. Uh, I really don't, and I never will. But sometimes comedy is really the only way forward through tragedy. Um, you know, my heart is with everyone whose lives have been destroyed uh, this week. Um, but tonight, I'm going to do what I've always done in the face of tragedy, and that's try to be funny. Um, remember, I said try. <laughs> and live from New York, it's Saturday night. Kind of somber, but a little bit of funny. Um, very well balanced. You notice I didn't take a, uh, uh, a side. Yeah, very down the road. But, but also, what... The woke mind ideology has done is destroy comedy to where you're not supposed to laugh at some jokes. Oddly, you know? I mean, I didn't watch it. Uh, normally, if you do see a funny skit, they're going to show up online somewhere. And I've not seen one. zero. <laughs> so I don't know how bad it really was if anybody actually did watch it. But uh I uh, I didn't I you're right I, you, if it were really funny we would have seen a lot of here's a funny skit they did you know no, blah, I mean, blah, the blah. only thing I've seen so far is Pete Davidson and then Taylor Swift showed up and that was the only two highlights of the entire show yeah oh she was there yeah she introduced uh, the singer oh and, she was in New York yeah I saw her and uh, Travis Kelsey were uh, on on the town in New York City uh, here is a we'll talk about her film in a minute uh, this is the list or not a list a uh, couple of billionaire liberals. Admitting the first guy's really funny. And uh, <laughs> about how he started thinking in 2016. Trump was elected. I was told that it was the end of the world. And that's what I thought. And I'd already underwritten him as an F. Okay. And then four years into the presidency, he was probably like a C in my mind. And then as I get a little bit of distance away, I realized, no, hold on a second. This guy was like a BB plus. Like, he was pretty good. I voted so. for Hillary Clinton. I voted for yeah. Joe Biden. But this is the honest assessment. The guy did, for the things that he was supposed to do, a good job. And for where every other president found a way to, frankly, make our situation a little bit worse, specifically around wars, he did not do that. And that is a huge accomplishment that I think needs to be acknowledged. I think the 
Look where we are right now. Man. Yeah. Two sure years, would be nice. Two years into one war. We're kicking off another one. Uh, we we exited Afghanistan and Afghanistan in a in a manner that in which showed that we were uh, weak and bumbling uh, militarily with very weak leadership that made very poor decisions, very poor military decisions. Uh, and people are starting to these guys. I guess retrospect. You know, he's starting to realize it. The thing that was smart about Trump was that he was willing to do business. Yes. He was willing to negotiate, and he didn't feel the need to make these moral condemnations all the time. He was willing to meet with Kim Jong-un. He was willing to meet with Putin and and Xi Jinping, and he avoided uh, criticizing them personally. He didn't call them dictators. He talked about how smart they are. Yeah, It's the art of the deal, right? I mean, at the end of the day, he's looking to do business. One's Trump derangement syndrome causing more damage than anything that Trump could have actually done. And I think the answer is yes, because like it's now causing us to not see that good work and then embrace and extend it. So much of the work that happened in that administration turns out to have been right. And that's what's so frustrating for me. The work on the border wall. We didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. Turned out it was right. Issuing long-term debt to refinance when rates were at zero, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. A structural peace in the Middle East, we didn't like the messenger, so we killed the message. When are we going to stop shooting ourselves in the foot? And when are we going to actually see and take the time to look past who is saying things and actually listen to them word for word? Hmm. Pretty impressive. Uh, Taylor Swift, speaking of billionaires, her movie bought in, uh, brought in 96 million domestically. Uh, beat every other movie out there. It blew The Exorcist, Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol? Damn, the mighty movie. Uh, and it's uh, the highest grossing domestic opening weekend for a concert film uh, in history. It's just a taping of the performances from SoFi Stadium. And. Uh, <laughs> Rated an additional one, uh, uh, thirty-two million in international box office. But let me—did I read right that they're only they're only playing this on the weekends, so I that the kids they, will stay in school? Yeah, I think they played it this weekend. But they're not going to play it during the week because they want they don't want the kids to skip school or something like that. I, yeah, or go see it late and 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 uh, not get the homework done. Yeah, I mean, but they don't have to. I mean, they made one hundred thirty-two million of, of showing a repeat of one of her concerts. Yeah. Um, that was 70% of the box office receipts for the whole weekend. Uh, Heather also says that the movie's three hours long, too. What? Three hours? Yep. You. <laughs> Good Lord. I guess you, you can get buy it and go. a specialty pack of popcorn and a specialty cup that you can take home. I'm sure that... That how much? Up the prices. How much were tickets? You said the ticket was twenty one. Just to, just to go see it. Yes. What's the normal ticket? Twelve, thirteen bucks. Anywhere between twelve and eighteen dollars nowadays. What? This is twenty one. Yikes! Yes. Man. And this is why I don't go to the movies. Did your daughter get the specialty popcorn too? Um, I think they did, but um, the friend that she was with took that home. She Damn. had a great time. I mean, she said it was like the best movie ever. <laughs> ever? Ever. Oh, my God. The best movie ever. 
Uh, well, there it is. I mean, I, I can't blame her at this point. I mean, she made another $130 million show replaying a concert yeah. that she's already performed. Old content. She just reused it. <laughs> like Bubba the Love Sponge. <laughs> <laughs> He's the master of it. <laughs> Monetizing old content. <laughs> He's no Taylor Swift, though. Do you see pictures of Bubba over the weekend? I looking good. Damn, he looks good. Yeah. I'm starting to get jealous. Like I got to get into the gym. Yeah, looking, you know, slim. He did steal my look with the go with the goatee, you know, and letting his hair go gray, and you know, that's all right. He did look fantastic. He and the merch shirt crick looked uh, fan- really good. Uh, Malia Obama, GQ, say that she is a new menswear icon. Menswear icon. Uh, I guess because of the, you know, she was uh, taken a, a photographed in L.A. Uh, she, on, she worked on a TV series called Swarm. She was outside of an L.A. convenience store taking a smoke break. Wearing earth tone cropped knit cardigan from the Australian. How quickly do they know? Where the stuff comes, Heather? Would you maybe look at a dress or a, a, a sweater? And go, oh, that's from uh, that's from uh, Australian brand Kina and Tam. <laughs> Y'all have seen me in a dress twice. No. <laughs> uh, they say uh, her, her the, the overall design philosophy is quote dopamine dressing lug soled black boots high waisted pleated wool slacks. The trousers, to be sure, are the real stars of the show. To borrow the words of my GQ colleague, they invoked one dart, two pleats, zero notes. What? Fashion people are weird. They sure are. I mean, I looked at the picture, and she looks like she just pulled off all that homeless chic, like went down to local yeah. Goodwill. Yeah. I'm surprised the sweater didn't have a cat on it, like an old <laughs> cat lady sweater. Uh, there was the combo of the jaunty cinchback canvas khaki plants, the, the gray zip-up hoodie, and the Mars Yards, she, I don't know what that is, who wore an L.A. stroll last year. A pair of green, red hemp, blah, 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 blah. The one thing they do know is that she's smoking cigarettes. Uh, she's wearing, way, and another one, uh, waist-length braids loose down her back. Sup, uh, Malia supplemented her look with very contemporary objects of curiosity. A cigarette, a jumbo-sized insulated hydroflask water bottle. The, the water vessel is Gen Z's favorite virtuous accessory. Nicotine is every generation's most cinematic vice. The duality of man, one might say, or just reflection of the overall state of things among the young, cool, creative class. Obama's daughter smoking cigs is the return of monoculture, says the New York writer Naomi Fry. And she says, and I'm, I'm one, and I for one am, am, am into it. She said, because time is in a flat circle, we've anecdotally swung back around from the truth anti-tobacco campaign of the 2000s, and young people are taking pleasure at smoking cigs again. This is one of the weirdest articles I've ever read, where it's been a long time since I've ever read an, art- read an article that's supporting people smoking cigarettes again. Well, they're Obamas. I mean, yeah, well, but you got to, I mean, this is apparently high fashion now is to make sure you got a cigarette in your hand again. But, but think about it. If you are, uh, you know, it's a no-no to ever say anything poorly about the, the, the you know, well, the, the Obama's admitted, the, the daughter's admitted a, a poor decision in smoking cigarettes. So they can't do anything wrong. 
Do we have to make smoking cool now because Malia is smoking cigarettes? I mean, I think I, you still have to put warnings on movies if the character smokes in it. Now uh, it's we're in a cycle back around where because the Obamas are smoking cigarettes, that's the cool thing. Everybody should be out there grabbing themselves a pack of Marlboros and enjoying one. Didn't Obama allegedly quit because of he of his daughters? He, yeah, he tried, but we got he got <laughs> caught multiple times on the back uh, porch there smoking them. So. Who calls pants trousers anymore? Uh, this person. <laughs> trousers. <laughs> Are there, is there a difference between trousers and pants? I don't think I mean, so. they're, they're cinched up, oversized, uh, you know. Oh, maybe. Oh, I know what it is. It's because elite people wear trousers. We normal people just wear pants. Yeah, khakis. Uh, and I don't know that, that Obama stopped smoking. I thought he was still uh, 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 kicking back some cools. And I guarantee you, there's no way while he's he and his daughters are still uh, uh, banging cools that they're gonna federal government's gonna shut down menthol cigarettes. Yeah, you know when he's around the girls, like, you got one I can bum off you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to head down the store. Uh, 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 don't don't tell your mother. Let me I'll burn a girl with a heater. Uh. That's that. She's an she's an icon now. A menswear menswear icon. icon. And, and I don't know if the way they like is that for women that want to wear menswear or like guys should be dressing like that. Yeah, they'd love for a dude to dress. Yeah, you're right. That is a a totally woke, oversized pants, lug boots, and a and a, and a cardigan. Please and wool trousers. I, I think if I was to wear that outfit into work, uh, I'd laugh. Well, yeah. Somebody, I said, where somebody, are you going? Somebody would be pulling me in the back. I'm like, something to go. Are, are you sleeping in your car? Are you? Is there something going on in your marriage or something like that? Uh, yeah, then you go. I got to go take a smoke break. I'll be right back. I saw Malia smoking them on Yeah, I got cool. So I got those old crush ones. I got I found a warehouse that still has those. Uh, well. That's it. That's how. That's how you're. That's that you're. You know, smoking is cool again. I mean, really. What you know? You go home and uh, your kid. Well, they're twenties, the right? They're not like little girls anymore. Yeah, they're uh, both in college. Yeah. All right. Uh, Dove has launched a new. Dove has really gone out there to reach out to the most absurd, woke. Uh, type and I don't know why because Dove to me seems like an old lady brand. Maybe that's why. That's what that is why. Um, my mom used Dove. I had to use Dove, and I was like, Mom, I, this stuff I don't like it. I don't feel good. And then she got me Ivory soap. I was like, Hell yeah, this is clean. I feel <laughs> my so clean. My skin's cracking. Look at that. <laughs> you could get her to spring for some Irish uh, Irish springs for you. <laughs> no, no fancy soaps at our house. You either use Dove or Ivory soap. Um, and uh, <laughs> so. They've launched an ad campaign called The Pits of New York. You'll see it uh, all over the uh, New York subway system and the signage. And it is aimed at normalizing the exposure of hairy armpits on women. Um, the poster campaign are, as you can imagine, p- pictures of women showing off their underarms with the flagship image featuring a morbidly obese woman with buckwheat and a chokehold. I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing, but I don't know why you have to put it on a billboard. 
Um, the posters have a little uh, a little factoid. It says, six in ten of us admit to judging other women's armpits. Let's change that. Hashtag free the pits with Dove. Um, yeah, I'm judging it. it, it I know you're, 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 Heather, you're very against hairy armpits, yeah, aren't you? I am. You I think are. they're gross. Men should shave their armpits, too. Really? It's just gross. It's there for a reason. God put hair under your armpits for a reason. Sure. What reason? Uh, keep your armpits warm in the winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it would be. But... Make it make sense. <laughs> uh, I do trim my armpit hair on occasion with little clippers. I don't. Uh, uh, one time I let Kim, I shaved one. We were doing an experiment. I shaved one bare, and I let her wax the other one. Oof, that was a big mistake. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. But I'll tell you what, the hair on that wax one, it didn't grow back from, for a couple of months. And I was like uh, Stubble City over here, for like Vlade Divock's chin on the other <laughs> armpit for like a month. <laughs> They've got, uh, yeah, I don't know. The This new campaign, they say it brings to life the brand's commitment to body positivity Ahead of New York Fashion Week, the uh, the out-of-home campaign has displayed their pits of New York and most trafficked NYC sub- subway systems. Uh, they want to take away the stigma around arm around our underarms, asking people to challenge their preconceived notions of the body part and free the pits. What is this? Uh, it's a personal thing, right? Yeah, it's a personal thing. What's next? Uh, uh, girls with big old hairy legs? Uh, yeah, that's. Our, I'm surprised. I think Dove already did a campaign with that. Have you ever seen a woman with hairy legs? Yeah, it's. it's I mean, instantly yeah. not sexy at all. There's no. I just like how femininity there at all. I I feel the the poor New York businessman that you know he's down on his luck. He's already wearing a ratty suit. He has to travel the subway every day, and he has to sit on the bench waiting for the subway to come by and stare at that image all day Big long. Obese woman. They got uh, a, a a fat. What's her name? She's a, a, an oh uh, an obese obese Black Lives Matter activist, Ziana Bryant, L- known for her iconoclasm, aversion to healthy living, and for allegedly ruining the life of a white student over a misheard car- comment. I don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah, <clears throat> that's the one. Oh, was it Virginia? She was a student, at the, and she they, she thought she overheard her saying something along the lines of those uh, when the car ran over the people that those people deserved it. The little girl never said anything about, never said anything. Oh like yeah, that. I remember that. And it, she ran a whole campaign of trying to get her kicked out of school. She had to poor girl had to leave, and oh, that's right, she had to move to another town. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's like what, what a great person to put on your billboard. I bet you she uses. I bet you she is the one that, like bleaches the tips of her underarm hair too, so it looks like <laughs> Don King in reverse. <laughs> Well, if she's black, she would have uh, a curly armpit hair, right? I mean, it could be. Unless she could straighten it. Yeah. A lot of girls do that. <laughs> you had to nowadays. Yeah. Uh, I will return. We'll get to the much lauded remarks. Uh, some thieves in, uh, in uh, if you're listening, you, the guys that stole the 4,277 cases of liquor here in Florida. You have our number. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I don't care if it's black market stuff. <laughs> I know you're going to load a ton of Irish whiskey. Just give me a call. Um, and, well, a disgusting story about a funeral home worker who saw something in a guy's house. He went to pick up his body because he was dead. 
he eyeballed something of his he liked, and he went back and used it. <laughs> Hang on, it's the Shannon Burr Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Uh, have sent uh, prepared to deploy orders to 2,000 troops um, and they're not going to uh, they told them to prepare for potential deployment that means you're going uh, Egypt is facing more pressure to open that border there I don't know why they wouldn't for their decent Muslim brothers and sisters and children oh, because the US should just be taking them all of course <sighs> Oh yeah, yeah. That's gonna. Uh, what? So the, we could assume there's already ten thousand uh, in the region because each of those carrier groups, those all, I guess the carriers themselves carry up to five thousand, and then there's all the support ships that go with them. So God knows how many we'll have over there in total. This is it. We got to get ourselves into a good war. Yep. Who's going to be with Iran? <clears throat> yeah, I think it will be in the long run because Iran will make a will not let Gaza be eliminated, which is what Israel wants to do right now. So unless somewhere here, clear heads with Israel get together and like, hey, we we can't bomb it off the face of the earth like we want to. We got to be the bigger man, even though that's what we always have to end up doing. Right. <clears throat> They're gonna medical advisory, medical support or advisory duties. They're not being warned about serving in combat roles. That's going to really piss off the squad, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they want us to uh, head on out and just start, I don't, I don't know. They want us to order Israel yeah. to stop what they're doing in Gaza. Which, again, that's not our, we can't tell their countries what to do all the no, time. No, Even if we, I don't think, even if we said, hey, we think it's a good idea, if, if you did, I think Bibi Netanyahu would say, well, I appreciate your advice. Thanks for the call. Yeah, and even go about his duties. What it is, uh, we can't. Otherwise, what are we going to pull up guns against Israel and say, "Oh, well, you better stop," or you know, we got this carrier out here, right? Um, you know, I think most people think or believe that somehow they're going to use American troops there uh, in Gaza, but who knows? Who knows? Something could pop off with uh, with uh, Iran, and I don't know how they would support it. With their navy, maybe. I mean, we have to continue to watch here stateside for any uh, terroristic acts because that will be the catalyst for it. What do you mean here? Yeah, here. If you know, if all of a sudden uh, we have uh, an attack somewhere, God forbid, anywhere, anything like that, though, that'll be the catalyst, and we'll all of a sudden our, we'll we'll already have all our carrier groups over there ready to go. Well, yeah, this is definitely uh, Iran, and off we go. Oh, if they oh some attack here, we, yeah. we identified as an Iranian or Iranian group. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Would we blame it on Iran or just call them? You know, these are self motivated guys working lone wolf type deals. They're not uh, associated I, with I the official. I would say normally, but it does. We seem to be war hungry. There is a lot of people in power in right now in Washington that just are. They have a massive rager for wanting some sort of war. We need some bombs dropped. Uh, we haven't killed any civilians in a while with any drones. Well, let's take do- this. We need to take our new woke military out for yeah. a test run and see if they, you know, see how they perform. Our overweight <laughs> yeah. woke military. Uh, yeah, yeah. We got all these new toys we haven't been able to use in a while. 
And we gave all our old crap away, so we have room for all the new stuff. <laughs> it is it is like a uh, a kid that you... You gave hand me to answer your little yeah, brother. And now you got all the new toys. You're like, all right, let's break <laughs> these out of the box. Let's get going. Uh, yeah. Everyone, you know, homeland security concerns at home because of the Mideast crisis right now. You put that with an open border, you know, it's like you're almost asked for this. Who knows? They said they've been planning this. Hamas has been planning this for a couple of years. Maybe there has been chatter in the system. I mean, there's always chatter in the system. I do think that the the nations take advantage of things they know are going to happen without letting anyone know that it's going to happen. And then, hey, this could be a, you know, there was chatter in the system, quote unquote, about uh, a terrorist from Al-Qaeda using planes to attack cities. Uh, and that's exactly what they did, uh, allegedly. Um, so, uh, you know, if we, if we knew about the chatter in the system, nobody told anybody in high rise buildings that day. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, if you go by our government, uh, there's been some questions throughout our history on if we allowed some things to happen. Yeah. You know, Just because we could take advantage of them. You know, <clears throat> well, they could take advantage maybe, of them. Uh, Pearl Harbor, maybe. We got this. You got the, on the, Fort pa- Sumter, you you got the Patriot Act out yeah. of 9-11. And other stuff. You got to go uh, to war against a uh, country that had nothing to do with it. <clears throat> Except the uh, Saddam almost tried to kill my dad. <laughs> this guy tried to kill my dad. Remember he said that? I was like, what? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, come on. He tried to kill my dad. <laughs> Oh, Japan has had to add a bunch of extra flights in order to get their sumo team to the tournament. <laughs> That's funny. What do they think they put all the sumo team on one on one airplane? Oh, I love to have thought that they got to go in there like, all right, uh, you're two seventy. We're gonna put you on this side, and we got right. other, and they got even out the plane just. To- <laughs> they had to. Uh, they had uh, uh, they had two Boeing seven thirty sevens each. Equipped to hold 165 passengers, but airline officials worried about the two flights would be unable to carry the required amount of fuel due to all the fat size on the plane. So they added another flight. Uh, each wrestler clocked in at about 265, more than 100 pounds heavier than the average Japanese passenger. 265? Does that mean old Jonathan Morris' sumo wrestler size? It could be. <clears throat> He probably would have been a good sumo wrestler. A really good sumo wrestler's had to be 400, 500. No, actually, you want to be, uh, a lot of them are smaller because they're more powerful, and it's all leverage. It's not how heavy right. you are. They said it's extremely unusual for us to operate special flights due to weight restrictions on aircraft. But look at these fat sows. The uh, If you're interested, the island of Amami Oshima is host to the sumo competition at the special national sports festival. Why isn't it very Asian thing to put special in front of everything? Oh, special. <laughs> yes, special national sports festival. <laughs> They're a host to about 460 sumo wrestlers from around the world. I mean, do you ever been uh, flipping the channels at 2 a.m. Yes. on ESPN and ended up on the sumo wrestling for a little while? Yeah. Guilty. <laughs> Guilty. It's, the, it's thrilling. It's like you can't take your eyes off of it. It's amazing. It is a uh, little like, human train wreck. They stare at each other a lot. and But, man, when they get into it, it's like, wow, a lot of slapping fat and <laughs> like oceans of their belly moving like a bowl of jello. Well, uh, the purpose is to get them outside the, cir- the circle, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, push them out of the circle. 
Yeah. I don't suppose we have a team here in Central Florida. Uh, I'll look. <laughs> We're about to get a cricket team, right? Are we? Are we? I, I don't I know. Thought we, I thought I heard <clears throat> we're going to get a cricket team. Yay. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I think they're going to get one in Dallas. Uh, okay, there's a... they got a uh, spare stadium uh, sitting around. They're going to put some... Uh, there is the Florida Sumo... Uh, actually, a Sumo champ from Central Florida is heading to that world championship. No kidding. He lives in uh, Daytona. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, if you'd like, you could go over to uh, Iron, Wave, Iron Wave Sumo Dojo. Wow. Are the, are the American kids fattening themselves up to become sumo wrestlers? Are they wear the same diaper deal? Oh, yeah, yeah, you have to. It's tradition. Yeah, that's embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, it's a lot of big white guys in this uh, picture from Iron Wave Sumo, so. Uh, I think Jonathan Morris just texted me. He may be <laughs> at the sumo wrestling place signing up right now. <laughs> I mean, he... Eats the diet. He said 293 this morning on the scale. Oh, he gets uh, trimmed up, and he's got to eat a lot more uh, vegetables, though. Yeah, rice. They eat a lot of uh, noodles. <laughs> Special noodle. Let's get to some remarks, right? Yes. From the Florida Man Radio app. Um, your headquarters for uh, all things Florida Man Radio. First of all, it's like you can take the entire station with you. Um... There's archives there of all the shows, and uh, you can participate in the uh, in the programs by leaving a remark by hitting the little microphone button. There we go. Hey, Shannon, I hope you enjoyed your day off on Friday. Uh, it only took me 14 of the first 53 minutes of listening to commercials to realize that you weren't coming in. Thanks a lot. Next time, let let me know when you're going to be away, please. I don't. I, I don't know. We had some foul up in the yeah in our system. Yeah. And, and also, by the way, while I'm not in and something happens here, there's no reason to f- attempt to contact me via social media or anything because I can't do anything about it. Nor do I do. I not. I don't. I don't handle that. You problem. also gave him four days of advance that we weren't going to be on Friday. That's true. <laughs> I did you four four days notice. Being tortured by a baby sharks pretty bad. About as bad as listener by intel intel listener by intel. It's calm on everybody at Till, sir. What's up, guys? Yeah, Israel's got it under control. They knew that that attack was coming Saturday. They stood down. You have to ask yourself why they stood down. They have the best intelligence in the world, the most up-to-date weaponry you can imagine. But dudes with paragliders came in and killed a bunch of people. They had warnings of it, intelligence. I thought you think these things are flying too low to be seen on a satellite, right? I mean, again, if you're, we're all been told over and over again, Israel has got the best, uh, yeah. uh, you know, information group, intelligence groups out there. How did they miss the guys putting together gliders and practicing out in the desert? Right, right. You would think, hey, we. We should probably check that out. Yeah, well, we saw uh, 200 guys on paragliders running, uh, doing, looks like doing some kind of exercise. Uh, should we check it out? Oh, it's probably just a new paragliding club the uh, Palestinians have. So the sign they had is, it's a Palestinian paragliding club. We're trying it out. <laughs> We're trying to uh, get away from the terrorism and get, you know, some outdoor sports. I mean, for seven hours, the IDF stood down knowing this was going on. They have Apache helicopters with machine guns in front of them, Gatling guns and missiles. They could have took out these 
paratroopers that come gliding in with their AKs out easily. But for seven hours, they let it happen. There's something bigger going on here. All right, let's let's speculate wildly. That maybe they they let it know they stood down. I find it hard to believe we're in hypothetical la la land here. And, uh, you know, Obama, whoever's running things over here for real, calls so look, we need a little help. We're looking for a war to get into. The skirmish in, in, uh, in uh, Ukraine's not going to be the one for us. But, you know, if something could happen over there, you could piss off Iran and you go in and uh, mop the floor uh, with Hamas and then in all through Gaza. And then that'll tick off Iran. We'll do a false flag attack on one of our ships. And boom, we'll we'll get the war we need. <clears throat> you could stay elected, we'll stay elected, we'll all get rich. They'll keep running money through Ukraine. <clears throat> Just money. Yeah, it's yeah. it's great to it's like an ATM. Yeah. My radio keeps telling me to download this app and send in a message. Well, let me tell you what, Shannon Burke, you can't tell me what to do. Two terrorists on the terrorist watch list were caught at the southern border so far in October. How many weren't caught in the last two and a half years? Something much worse than 9-11 is coming. Thanks, Joe. B-do-be-do. Could be. This guy at Harvard's got it all wrong. That's exactly what they want us to do. They want all conservatives displaced from any positions of influence or power or in possession of information. You just look back at it. We've got to stay and fight, especially the whistleblowers. Do it quietly. Get the word out. We need those eyes and ears on the inside so we know what the hell's going on. Otherwise, they're just going to steamroll us. Beauty, beauty. That's a good point. Yeah, I heard Malia is she signed on with the uh, Mugatu fashion. She was sporting that Derelict fashion line. Y'all need to look that up, man. Look, it's fashion. Malia Obama is a men's fashion icon. She's cool because she smokes like dad and she's hung like mom. Malia was literally dressed just like the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Go, Malia. The dude. Man, I'm not going to lie. I dated this hippie chick in college, and, uh, you know, she had the full-on arm hair, and this was 1970s Bush, but she was so hot, and, I mean, huge boobs. I, I had to do it. Yeah, I went out with a French chick once. Had the accent, the hairy armpits, the whole thing. Twice, I think, went out with her. Hmm. Yeah. Her, I mean, when, when I say hairy, I mean, not like little wispy light. I mean, her, she had like black hair and black arm armpit hair, like as thick as mine. Like pools of onyx right there. <laughs> Man, I'm not going to lie. I dated. Oh. Wait, Man, I'm not- I heard you. Free the pitch, huh? 
Alright, free the cooter. Be-do, be-do. Alright. Introducing Dove Soap to get those hard-to-reach greasy armpits and those fabulous goatees. Brought to you by Bubba the Love Sponge and Shannon Berg. Barack smokes Michaels. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> I got some Obama jokes tucked away. I'm breaking them out right now. You got to blow the dust out of those. <laughs> Star Trek guy here. Another weird thought. What if all these Muslims we bring over, a couple million, a couple million that are already here, they create a Muslim party to run against the Democrats and Republicans? And before you know it, they have power in our own government, House, Senate, and they might even get their own president. Those little bees know how to stick together. Be-do, be-do. A lot of Somalis came to America. That's the reason why we have Elon Omar. Right. So, a million Palestinian refugees, eh? <laughs> you guys joke about simulations all the time. We are literally living in a simulation of Barack Obama's... Um, Inverted apartheid, wettest and wildest dreams ever. Uh, the level of social and cultural and political engineering is just beyond astonishing. His virtual third term is going to destroy this world. He is truly evil and racist. Peter, Peter. Yep. I thought that a Georgia man was fined $1.4 million for speeding. Luckily, his Parking ticket was only fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, I would miss the point, miss the mark there a little bit. Uh, yeah, we we had that that guy's story. One point four million dollars is the fine on his uh, ticket. Democrats love starting wars in the third or uh, you know second or third year of their term if they think they might get beat. They love to have it because they know the American people don't like to switch jockeys in the middle of a war. So they think that's something that helps them get reelected. Um, it's just, it's terrible. Trust me, I served under Clinton and uh, it was, I was constantly getting ready to go fight. Hmm. Got a point. Hey guys, great show as always. Uh, trying to catch up here on the other side of the world. But uh, yeah, I was in Japan about five weeks ago and there was a team of sumos in our hotel going on buses and it took no less than five buses to get these guys out to the airport so wow. i don't know how many planes it takes to get those boys moving but they are some big boys but hey keep it up and i am currently shopping on bdbdo.com and hope to have merch when i get home bdbdo there's some great new hats up there some cool new shirts hey guys uh all your listeners out there anybody knows anybody from <laughs> or whatever they're called, tell them to go F themselves. Every one of them. They're all dirty bastards. All right. Well, Netanyahu was facing huge public protests and calling for his ouster a week before this, so that could be a reason they look the other way. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. It's all... I'd hate to think that way, that you, you're, you're thinking to yourself... Yeah, I really want to get elected, reelected. So eh, some of my people are going to have to die, so I can jump in and defend the the ones who survive and be the hero, right? Yep. It's... Create a crisis, 
and then uh, solve it. The sexiest woman alive with armpit hair ever is Sophia Loren. Does she have armpit hair? I don't know if I've ever noticed. Hey, Heather, so you can find Sophia Loren with armpit hair. Okay, on it. <laughs> I know that, that famous picture of her where someone else is staring at her boobs. I think that's her. And, and a restaurant, you know, and it's an old black and white picture. I didn't see any there. I smashed a smelly hippie chick in a portal at the Wani Festival. Oh Woohoo! Good lord. <laughs> Star Trek guy said another weird thought. All your thoughts are weird. Sorry I broke the rule, Shannon. Every time I hear a paraglider attacks, I think of that uh, hang glider scene from Escape from L.A. Creative prices. W went to war to save his second term. Yep. So they all do it. Uniparty. Yep. I heard that Shannon once dated a French girl whose armpits looked as though she was giving a headlock to Marty Allen and Don King at the same time. That's right. Yeah. Those are the remarks uh, for this hour. We do it again in the final hour of the show. Get the app, hit the button, go to town. We're getting dark. We're going weird today. Weird. Yeah. I, you know, when we think about uh, archaeology, about things found in the past, I always look to the future about where we would be when a thousand years when people are digging up stuff. Oh, and yeah, yeah. They're looking at, like, here's uh, whatever. We, I, I saw a story this weekend of the guy that buried in uh, resin a bag of... Uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos. Buried it in the resin. He's got a plaque with it, talking with all the ingredients of it. And he buried it under the So the future generations? Future generation finds it. Like, they could open it and have a Flaming Hot Cheeto? Yeah. Well, I'm well. probably not the resin I'm talking to. <laughs> but we're going to talk about some old ones, including a uh, giant Viking turd. A giant Viking turd. And I'm talking really? giant. I feel sorry I don't know for this from guy. a Viking. Oh, they, where they found it and oh, okay. what's in it. And it's bigger than a dog turd? A big dog? Uh, bigger than your arm. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Maybe the guy was, you know, bound up for a little bit. <laughs> well, they said they believe he was sick because... <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll do that uh, uh, as well. And um, what else? Oh, have you ever had to ask a D for a bag of Lay's? <laughs> Let that stew for a minute. Hang on. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. WFYY HD3 Windermere, WXUS HD3, W266DY Tonellan, WZLB Valparaiso, Florida Man Radio. So, a bunch of thieves stole a lot of liquor uh, from a distribution company in Hillsborough County, uh, just south of Tampa. In all, 4,277 cases of liquor. Uh, sometime between 10 a.m. and 9.45 a.m. on July 8th. I guess they're just now talking about it. They disabled or removed the surveillance cameras. Uh, 
And that's uh, $1.6 million worth of uh, liquor. Cops located the tractor trailers on surveillance video from a tractor trailer storage facility. The warrant was issued for an iPhone that authorities believe contains specific info, technical data about the evidence. It was a large-scale outfit. Um, They're unable to comment at this time. There's an active law enforcement investigation. Confidence the law enforcement handled. What do you do with $1.6 million worth of liquor? I mean, open up your own liquor store. Um, yeah, I guess so. If you had a liquor store. Or, I don't know, take it to Mexico or something like that. And- or, you know, if you had a, uh, some, uh, some, you know, hinky friends in the bar business, yeah. <laughs> they might be able to help them out. Yeah, I mean, you go down to the local uh, questionable bars, like, hey, man, I had a case of uh, Cuervo, just fell off a truck somewhere. Serious for 100 bucks. That's a, that's a long time to get rid of 4,277 cases of liquor, though. Oh, there's got to be something that's mob-related or something like that, you know? Uh, I mean, they know where they're going with it. You don't just rob that $1.4 million worth of liquor and just to have it. you got to be able to have an idea you where to move that sucker it. off. Yeah. That's true. Hopefully they thought this through. <laughs> what are we going to do with all this liquor, boss? Uh... I haven't thought that through. Some dude's got an apartment <laughs> building where he's got like three three of them that's just all liquor boxes. They they moved them with tractor trailers. They don't say how many. <clears throat> they listed at least two. Um, but, uh, but, you know, so you got to be able to know how to uh, probably operate a forklift. Uh, a couple of guys that can back these trailers up to the loading docks uh, and, you know, and some manpower. It's got to be a group of people. Wow. Let me know if you got any. They say they rep brands like uh, Jose Cuervo and Malibu Rum. God, you'd be screwed if you had forty-two hundred cases of Malibu Rum and and and, and Jose, just Malibu Rum and Jose Cuervo. I mean, you probably can get. You could probably fence off the Cuervo. The yeah. Malibu's gonna be a little tougher. You're stuck with that Malibu Rum, buddy. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Malibu Rum is the one liquor that you have to make drink specials for to get rid yes, of. Yes, and they got to be shots usually. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's a brave, uh, that's a lot of booze. Um, Ready to get dark? Yeah, let's do that. Let's get dark. It's disturbing history with EZ. There's a lot of history out there. Some of it isn't in the books. Like I said... Archaeology has kind of always been fascinating to me. In the most people think it's the Indiana Jones uh, raiding temples and uh, finding Nazi gold and yeah. all that type of stuff. When honestly, a lot of times it's like you're happy that you found someone's plates. Like, how yes. cool is this? We right, found right, right, right. Here's some, here's some clay, uh, a, a water pitcher from, you know. Oh, what was the one? Uh, By the way, a lot of pictures of Soviet Lauren's armpit here. Yeah, I know. You have like a weird fetish thing going on. It was many pictures of a <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be some question marks going on. But uh, a couple weeks ago, it was a big thing that they found some pieces of wood that they're pretty sure was an old bridge. And they're just like a bridge like way before we should have ever had bridges. So yeah. it's kind of a. I've a seen big guys deal. get excited about a nail they found. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you. <laughs> If we have been saying how this nail should not have been in this time period, so that's just amazing. 
And we'll talk about it. There's a couple things on here that is that are pretty oh, amazing. By the way, the friend that uh, that of Heather's who was rescued by Ron DeSantis, her name is Tally. She's going to join us uh, at the in the next segment after this. So, so stay tuned for that. Sorry, forgot to promote that. We just got it. Nicely done. But, like I said, we'll start with the very first one, which is the reason I kind of looked at this, because I I saw a story about it over the weekend. I'm like, I got to do a little more research into this, and it kind of led me the rest of the stuff. But it's the Lloyd's Bank Corporate. Lloyd's Bank? Lloyd's Mm -hmm. Bank Corporate, which makes you think this is some sort of, like, uh, maybe royal artifact of some sort. Uh, It's definitely in the uh, British Museum of History. It's uh, maybe a crown or something like that. No, it's a giant Viking turd. The Royal Bank. The Lloyd's Bank Corporate. Corporate? Coprolite. Coprolite. Yeah. Okay. That's one of the strangest. Uh, is, it pe- is it uh, petrified? It is petrified, yeah. <laughs> it is uh, it's, it, unlike anything from that time period because it's a giant Viking defecation. Uh, it's on display somewhere? It is, yeah. Uh, you do probably feel sorry for this poor person because it sits at a whopping eight inches long. Good gravy. Eight Eight inches, inches long, and it's thick. We're not talking uh, a pencil eight inches. We're talking like a baby's arm eight oh, inches. Oh, yeah. boy. Ah, ouch. Uh, it's one of the largest human feces ever discovered. It is also densely packed, so much so that it fossilizes instead of rotting like normal feces. <laughs> they do say that it, the finds like this are extremely rare, but the moist earth of Jorvik kept it preserved. Uh, a finely preserved turd. Uh, also, it contained hundreds of eggs belonging to a whipworm, a parasitic worm which lives in the large intestine. So also, he, he had, had parasites. So, so parasites going on. Uh, it is incredibly important because it gives a kind of detailed insight in the, into the Viking diet, a subject for which is impossible and almost nearly impossible to find concrete evidence. Uh, for instance, this one, uh, we can see whoever created it, lived on a diet largely made of pollen, grain, and cereal bran. What was the first one? Uh, pollen. Pollen. Yeah, pollen, grains, and cereal bran, which would have eaten in the form of bread and porridge. So that's why, yeah. Well, I mean, they enough fiber. Pack that colon right up. Yeah, they were getting a lot of fiber, so... If you'd like to see it, it's at the uh, the Jorvik Viking Center in York, UK. Ah, I can't wait. Take a trip over there. Get Just your picture with the giant turd. turd. Yeah, get me on riding the turd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can go get the t-shirt, the gift shop that says, I went all the way to York, UK, and all I got was a picture of a turd. turd. <laughs> uh, I, I love this one. 2015 archaeologists working in Lancashire, UK, made a discovery, which is a pretty unique one, uh, in the Iron Age shield made from tree bark. So you're thinking of Iron Age, big iron, iron shields, these guys. And they keep finding these ones that seem to have been made out of tree bark. And they're are, mainly, we think these are kind of ceremonial. Uh, the shields were created around 395 to 255 BC. And it kind of turned the archaeological world upside down. Before the discovery was widely assumed that bark shields wouldn't have been strong enough to be used in actual combat. Right. Although the shield was badly damaged when it was discarded in a pit used for watering livestock, it was over a decade old by this time and it had seen plenty of action. Since its discovery, experimental archaeologists have attempted to recreate it. Uh, they've discovered that such shields could be actually surprisingly sturdy, even repelling arrows and weapon strikes, which, being much lighter than traditional wood or metal shields, made them possibly a better combat shield for poorer people. What kind of wood? What kind of tree? It's like tree bark just ripped off of there, pieced it to a piece of shield. Uh, it is a similar in shape and design to the metal shields uh, discovered from the same period. The bark shield appears to have been painted with a red and white checkered pattern, just like the other metal shields. Uh, for this find, it was widely assumed that bark shields, if they existed, would have served per, uh, primarily as sacrificial objects, being too weak to be used in warfare. Archaeologists now, though, believe they were probably widely used, particularly by poor warriors, uh, which is why they're hard to find, because more than likely they just all rotted away. Right. 
Nobody want to keep the poor guy stuff. Yeah, and also, I mean, you, it is tough to find a place to put the old bark shield that doesn't kind of rot away over time. Uh, do you know that there uh, was uh, Buddhas in Sweden? What? Yep. Buddhism in Sweden? Yep. This is why, now why they know the Vikings were prolific traders, maintaining trading posts from Ireland to Russia and going as far as the markets in Baghdad and Egypt. However, nothing defines the Viking Enterprise spear than the series of finds made in the island of Helgo in Sweden. Helgo was the site of bustling Viking trading posts for nearly most of the medieval period. And in that time, objects from across the world ended up there. Among the finds were a statue of the Buddha, the top of an Irish bishop's staff, and a ladle from North Africa. Just conquests they've had from around the world. Or trades. Just they, uh, they have people coming across and trading from long distances away. I just assume the ladle and the bishop's crozier were taken in raids because the Vikings often went pillaging in Ireland and Egypt. But the Buddha statue must have been bartered for, mainly because they never made it that far out there. Uh, made in somewhere in Kashmir, India around the 6th century, the statue was likely purchased somewhere along the trading route between the Middle East and Russia, where adventurous Vikings often traveled to raid and trade and even join the Varanganian guard in Constantinople. And, and raping, nobody, they'd raped and pillaged. Yeah, I mean, at, I don't know if that gets you the Buddha statue. Oh, yeah. the raping, the, the Maybe it could save you from being attacked by a Viking. Hey, oh, instead of raping me, how about you? I give you this Buddha statue. Yeah, the unusual statue was likely carried back to Helgo and sold to a local merchant. Hmm. Some guy was like, all right, I need some grain. Uh, you want this fat guy statue? <laughs> I don't know who he is. <laughs> it's a bald fat guy. You want one of these? Uh, the finest established fact that some historians have suspected the Vikings' trade route stretched much farther than they recently believed. Well, they probably didn't travel all the way to markets in India. They often found themselves trading with Arabs, uh, which would have in turn traded with India. Hmm. Uh, one of the strangest archaeological discoveries of the last few decades happened in Munich, Germany in 1992. Dr. Svelta Balabanova. Mm. Beautiful name. Yes. Was performing a chemical test on some ancient Egyptian mummies, which had been owned by the king of Bavaria. I was... You know, oh, you can buy some mummies? Oh, yeah, they used to. Uh, actually, for a while... Or, or take them, I guess. In, yeah, in London, there was a whole thing about uh, you uh, had a party where everybody had like, a little mummy jerky, and <laughs> not kidding, they would enjoy a nice little chunk of mummy. Would you like to see my mummies? Uh, to her surprise, though, she's discovered traces of nicotine and cocaine on them. Really? What? Uh, in ancient times, though, both drugs could only be found in the Americas. So how does this Egyptian mummy have both cocaine and tobacco on him? Is he a mysterious time traveler? Wow. Uh, various hypotheses have appeared since then trying to explain how these traces came to be. The most believable was that ancestors of the drugs existed in Eurasia at the time, but would extinct before the modern day, such as the ancient Roman drug syphilim. syphilim. It's a... Uh, was kind of like here, considered the... Uh, syphilim was a miracle drug that if you read a lot of Roman texts, they talk about it like crazy. It was the thing to have. We and can't get any more? It doesn't exist. There's a couple things that they... Plants that are kind of close to it. Uh, but this stuff was used for every... Uh, actually, Alexander the Great, a part of his conquest was looking for more of this. Really? He was just out there trying to find... Miracle more. drug stuff. Some plant. It was a plant, yeah. They used it for cooking. They used it for drugs and things like that. Huh. Most recent studies have said that theoretically the ancient Egyptians may have had a maritime ability to make it to the Americas. Archaeological finds and ancient depictions from Hattaship's voyage to the land of Punt have revealed a sophisticated naval infrastructure including harbors, construction materials, and the remains of the oldest seafaring vessels ever discovered. Wow. Or aliens. Uh, aliens brought tobacco and drugs. Oh, maybe the aliens traded with them. Uh, I mean, or maybe, uh, well, yeah, it's Egypt. Ancient Egypt. It was... Uh, there has always been the question on why there are 
pyramid-shaped things on the Americas and in Egypt and in also in Asia. Ancient aliens. Dealing so, dr- ancient uh, drug cartels. Yeah, drug dealing aliens. <laughs> Uh, contemporary depictions of Egyptian ships show vessels about 70 feet long, carrying over 200 sailors, alongside goods which could only be found along the coast of Africa. Uh, this revealed ancient Egypt, Egypt's capacity for long-distance trading. There's actually one more little clue in there. In 1909, the Arizona Gazette reported that two explorers, funded by the Sismon- uh, Sism- Smithsonian, wow, uh, had discovered caves in America which contained Egyptian-style artifacts. However, no evidence exists today, and the Smithsonian has no record of such a discovery ever being reported by any explorers. This is a very big kind of mystery thing that goes on. There were two explorers that were in the Grand Canyon going through different parts of it and they say they found an Egyptian tomb in the middle of it, in a cave. About uh, 200 feet inside a cave mouth, they found an Egyptian tomb. And they were told that they went and told everybody and supposedly the Smithsonian went in, grabbed all of it out of there and boom, out of, gone. Hey, but is it, it, the Smithsonian says we don't have it? We're not don't have it. Actually, you can't go in this area anymore. Those uh, those caves where it could be at is blocked. Anytime that people have gone near it, uh, the old black helicopters all of a sudden start showing up, and you will have people that say you cannot go in that area. That is restricted space. What? And if you call the Smithsonian, they will. It is a, such a well-known thing that there is a person online that will know we do not have any artifacts. We do not know about the Egyptian caves in, in uh, Grand Canyon. It's all a myth. Hmm. I'll have to look that one up. Uh, the Govan Stones... They're an example of what's called, quote, hogbacks. They're some of the strangest monuments to have survived from the early medieval Britain, serving as a sarcophagi for important, fi- important figures like royalty or wealthy nobles. They only exist in places where both the Norse and native British cultures are present. So there may have been Norse trading with the Egyptians to have them say, hey, you ever thought about burying your guys in this big old coffin <laughs> tomb? It's pretty cool. Uh, they've been found in Cumbria, central Scotland, and parts of Yorkshire. They feature art and uh, decoration as a mix of Celtic and Norse styles. They seem to have been used to accumulate the importance of the dominant elite. They may have been used by newly arrived Norse dynasties to shore up their power and to link their authority with the Celtic kings who came before them in an attempt to placate their newly conquered subjects. <laughs> Sewing off sweet stones you got. Uh, the Govan stones are a group of 31 sarcophagi that were built in an uh, area around eight, uh, 870 AD. Uh, they were built into the honor of the rulers of Strathclyde during a period when both the Celtic and Norse leaders were vying for control of the kingdom. You know the area? I know you're a huge Strathclyde uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful this time of year. Uh, they were originally 46 stones, but when the stones were finally recognized as being uh, of an archaeological importance in the 19th century, only 31 stones were moved into inside the Govan Old Parish Church. The rest were displayed against the church wall. In 1973, the nearby Harland and Wolf shipyard was demolished along with a portion of the church estate. The 15 stones that were outside were considered lost, probably destroyed after being mistaken for debris. <laughs> debris? Yeah. Good lord. Some guy uh, with a uh, you know wrecking ball, like, hey, Tony, what me to do with these stones out here? <laughs> uh, however, 2019, three of the stones were rediscovered in the churchyard by a 14-year-old volunteer who was participating in his first archaeological dig. Really? Yeah, it's like catching a home run in your first baseball game. Wow. Uh, the Goldman Heritage Trust is now expanding its dig in an attempt to find the rest of the, quote, lost stones. In the early 200s, some Roman soldiers were working in a quarry in Cumbria, collecting rock from the construction of Hadrian's Wall. While there, they decided to carve some messages into stone, and we have some of the very first known graffiti. Oh, yeah? 
The what with like a, a big boobs and a uh, dong with some was a hairy... It was? There is a dong, yes. Uh, the engravings <laughs> were officially uh, rediscovered in 1500 by William Camden, one of the first modern historians, and his friend, Julius Cotton. And for that time, the site, which became known as the Written Rock of Guilt, was uh, documented several times over the 1700s and 1800s. But the graffiti was never properly recorded. Since then, erosion has destroyed some of the messages, rendering some of them illegible. The site was easily accessible by the public until the path collapsed in the 1980s. Uh, the now, uh, now the quarry is all but impossible to reach. Recently, the site was visited by archaeologists from Newcastle University who had to descend about 30 feet down to reach this quarry where this rock wow. is. Uh, fearing that they would lose the site to erosion entirely, the archaeologists made three, uh, 3D models of it so the future historians can study it. The models can be found in an, uh, found at a site called Sketchfab if you want to go look at them. Among other things, the soldiers wrote their names and those of their officers. In one instance, someone even carved a small caricature of one of their commanders, and they also carved a penis. Just, just, just a penis. In just. early 200s, even the Romans were <laughs> scratching and scribbling out penises because they're always hilarious. Since man could walk upright, we have laughed at it. Yeah, that it's hard to draw a fart, you know, you know. Yeah, we really didn't get the whole movement thing for a while, so it's hard to draw yeah, a fart. Yeah. yeah. But also, you know, you've seen the carvings. I don't even know where they were, where they are, but uh, they're ancient, and they look like a dude in a space helmet. Oh, there's a couple of them. Uh, there's, they've done some ones in, part in Pompeii, too, as well, where they found that, again, it was like, uh, I like the ones in, I think it was in Pompeii, where they brought them. Some of them was like uh, uh, Arius's mother is a whore. It's like, there some of them are like real... Uh, <laughs> Uh, some almost are like uh, Roman pride. So and so sleeps with dogs. Like they, <laughs> uh, and they're etched into stone. That's it's, it's more permanent than the spray paint. Yeah, you know, you, and there's all you know. At least one heiress walked by every once in a while. I was like, oh, God, they got me. <laughs> My grandmother was not a dog. Uh, from the Pictish era onward, the Orkney Islands was a sparsely populated and all but unimportant on the national scale. In the Iron Age, though, that came before, however, Orkney was the site of one of the most advanced settlements in Britain. The purpose of the site is still disputed, and many mysteries continue to stump archaeologists. Uh, by Iron Age standards, the central structure, uh, was, uh, which was called Structure 10, was giant. It was 82 feet long and 65 feet wide. Massive wow. building. The walls were huge, over 16 feet thick. Oh, good lord! And they stand still. Uh, they still stand over 3.3 feet tall today. So even they've chopped them down. They're still tall. Despite the building size, however, the inner chamber was only 20 feet wide. This is because uh, there was another thick wall within, taking up much of the interior space. The main chamber was dominated by a large fire pit in the center and decorated with large dresser-like pieces of furniture. The purpose of which is unknown. Uh, the roof was arguably the most impressive part of the structure. It was made up of stone tiles, which had been shaped into perfect squares. The space between the inner and the outer walls was carefully paved and may have been roofed, creating an interior corridor, which looped around the inner chamber. Uh, the unusual building has led many to speculate the site was some kind of temple, but its true purpose remains unknown. The presence of painted rocks randomly scattered across the floor of, the two, of two of the site's buildings only add to the mystery. The most popular theory is that they had some kind of religious significance, one of the rocks was engraved with an image of the sun, or it could have possibly been like that trend that went on for about three or four years here where people were painting rocks and leaving them all over the place. And you got Facebook groups like, ah, I found the clip oh, of the dog yeah, rock yeah, and painted yeah, this one. Yeah. Stupid. Speculation of the site's purpose ranges from a high status private settlement for a chief to a kind of meeting place for different local tribes. One thing, though, for certain, despite being tucked away on an island in the far northeastern corner of the British Isles, this was one of the most impressive and advanced sites of Iron Age Britain. Uh, there was a tomb, Roman era, 
unearthed in 2018. Wow, that, still unearthed in tombs. That huh? is what's amazing. We continue to. Oh, a couple weeks ago, we found a, a girl found a Viking sword that was almost in perfect condition. Just pulled it out of the moor, and they're like, "Oh, here, look, there's a sword." Yeah. Right, that is amazing. I think theoretically, you're now the king of England, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is a weird one, though. The modern the landscape of modern Bulgaria is dominated by burial mounds, some as tall as hills, and visible for long distances. In recent times, these monuments have been plagued by treasure hunters who dig into them, take the uh, inhumations left inside, and sell them bound the black market. A trade worth roughly about a billion dollars a year. Holy crap. Grave Robin's still going strong. Wow. As a result, legitimate archaeologists in Bulgaria have stepped up their efforts to excavate, uh, excavate and protect these old sites, removing finds of archaeological value and taking them to museums where they can be preserved. Right. When a team started unearthing the Malt Bay Mound, the biggest barrel mound in Bulgaria, they found something arguably more valuable, which is a gigantic Roman area mo- era mausoleum. Really? They found a whole building. And they believe they have now uncovered the tomb of the Roman Emperor Philip the Arab. Phil the Arab? Yeah, they got Phil the Arab, please. <laughs> they now expect it to become a site of global significance. In time, they intend to excavate the whole structure, a process that require government funding. Due to the structure's age, it will almost certainly require reinforcing it to stand on its own. As they excavate it, though, they've no doubt some of the team members got excited with the prospect of finding treasure from the Roman era. However, their hopes must have been crushed when they discovered the remains of a 40-foot-long, uh, a 40-meter-long, 131-foot treasure hunter, hunter's tunnel, which had burrowed straight under the southeastern corner of which the Which means town. that it has already been cleaned out. Empty to the wow. moon because someone had dug a tunnel on the back to side go- of it. Wow. 131-foot-long tunnel under the back side of it that people wouldn't have noticed, and they just dug their way underneath it. Unbelievable. Uh, team leaders said they expected to find things like cigarette butts and batteries inside such tunnels. In this tunnel, however, they discovered animal dung and coins from the reign of Sultan... Suleiman the Magnificent. That's so right. it was it was robbed a long time ago. The treasure hunters dug this tunnel in the 1500s. Wow. Fortunately, the adventurers appeared to have failed to loot the tomb completely. The archaeologists have found coins and pottery dating to the 200s, but uh, not whatever else was rich and right. expensive it's was sold, taken. looted, and gone. You probably get don't you get cursed when you open one of these tombs? Oh, uh, well, it depends if the curse is written on it. If you go to the curse and it, to the tomb and it says these who open this tomb shall be cursed from here on out. You don't open the tomb. Right. Or at least you have a couple guys that are nameless. You have them open. They can't the read. Yeah. You can <laughs> you go ahead, fellas. Get to work on that, too. Thanks. Yeah, pop that tomb open. When the acid sprays in your face, I'll at least we'll know. <laughs> and we'll end with one real quick one about some Neanderthal glue. Oh. Neanderthal glue? Yeah. For a long time, it was believed that Neanderthals just weren't as intelligent or as advanced as the old Homo sapiens. No. Even though we're founding more and more people, thanks to Ancestry.com and 23andMe, that have Neanderthal DNA. So apparently, Homo sapiens and Neanderthals were getting it on still for quite a wow. while. So, but recent discoveries have turned that assumption on its head. In June 2019, archaeologists discovered evidence of Neanderthals using a primitive kind of glue on their tools. Their work, like, field working tools, not their okay, tools, not their, tools okay. yet. Uh, this find is between 55,000 and 40,000 years old, making them some of the oldest examples of adhesive being used to assemble human tools. The adhesive seems to have been predominantly made from pine resin, but it also occasionally contained beeswax. The resin was cooked to a high heat over fire as part of the process of making the organic glue, which was used to coat a notch in the shaft of wood. A flint blade was then slotted into this notch and held into place. They made primitive super glue. Wow. Hold their stuff together. <clears throat> in order like to, to, to chop vegetables or trees or grass or whatever. Uh, so, you, I mean, a binding, a leather binding took a lot longer out of that. So they basically created a, an adhesive glue to make their knives stronger, their arrows better. Wow. They don't fall apart. It's not the first kind of its uh, find of its kind. 
Uh, it helped solidify the belief that the practice was widespread among those early humans. It also means that there is now more evidence that the Neanderthals could create fires and when they need them. Another issue has been the subject of debate over many years. Wow. So we were, even the Neanderthals were making some glue over the fire. Not that dumb after all. Nope. <laughs> all right, listen to... Uh, hold on, I'm going to play your outro. Um, they had to make a, a, a gorilla glue with the name, you know, more Neanderthal glue. Maybe I'm going to trademark that and get started <laughs> yeah, on making Neanderthal glue. Uh, when we return, Heather's friend, Tally, who was rescued from... Heather, did she come home last night? I believe she got here yesterday or the day before. I'm thinking it had to have been yesterday. A benefactor of Ron DeSantis's efforts. She will speak with us next. Stick around. It's a Shannon Burke show on the Florida Man Radio Network. While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor. Now, my fingers are my eyes. I'm Michael Naranjo. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that is worth doing. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. I know it can do a lot of good. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. When I left the military, I was excited for a fresh start, but civilian life has been harder than I thought it would be. Figuring out a new career while also being a good mom, wife, and friend, some days I'm barely keeping my head above water. I finally realized that it's hurting my mental health. To get back to enjoying life again, I needed to get help. Discover how other women veterans like me have learned to thrive after military service by taking care of themselves and their mental health. Visit maketheconnection.net slash womenveterans. Um, Heather knows everybody. <laughs> Fetterman. And she she uh, came in today. And we all know about the Ron DeSantis, uh, you know, uh, airplane lift of Americans trapped in Israel. Well, Heather knew one of them. Uh, she joins us on the phone right now from right here in Florida. It's Tally. Tally, how are you? Hi, how you doing? Doing great. Uh, are you feeling relieved? Are you happy? Tell us what, uh, how you ended up uh, stuck there, uh, or were you stuck there in Israel? Well, um, in central Israel, and we got there um, a few months ago for a not happy reason. Yeah, I, went I heard to that. With my husband. Yes. And Sorry. we stayed there with families, and then this whole situation happened. So, where were you in the on in Saturday morning when it started, and how soon did you hear about it that it was going on? So you you won't believe I have friends from the kibbutz that invited me over to that kibbutz 
and uh, me and the kids were planning the, uh, that morning to travel there. Um, and as soon as we woke up and was ready to get to get going, we figured that the the whole thing started. And of course, we didn't go there. My friend is actually were in a bunker room for like six hours, and his wife uh, was uh, eight months pregnant. Oh. Thankfully, they managed to get out of there and run away to a different city. Um, but yeah, it, it was shocking, you know, to right. everybody. Was the news yeah. helpful, or you did? Were you getting alerts? Uh, is there a, a were there sirens going off? Um, how did you know exactly what was happening and when it was over? So yeah, the 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 media for sure. It's uh, you know there is an app for the army that all the citizens in Israel uh, use that media. And it's give you an like the app give you alert in which area to get into a bunker uh, room and uh, hide, and how long do you have uh, like some city that are closer? You have like a minute and a half to uh, run into the bunker. And some cities they have 15 seconds to run into the bunker. Mm. So yeah, the farther you are, you have more time. But the thing is that. Um, we start getting those rockets shooting on us from south, but then they start shooting, Hezbollah starts shooting from north. Yeah. So in Israel, it's such a small country, so you couldn't, like, you felt like they're closing on you. You couldn't run anymore anywhere and right. be safe. Um, you, I've heard it mentioned, you mentioned it, uh, and I've heard it mentioned in the news do, is it common for Israelis to have a safe room in their home? And is it to be safe from bombs or safe from other attacks? Yeah, this uh, every Israeli house has a room uh, that's called a bunker room. And they have like a metal windows, a metal door. And um, it's basically uh, because Israel has always been, you know... Right. In conflicts with our, their neighbors, yeah, yeah. Um, everybody has to have, you know, this room in the house. And the old houses where they don't have room like this, there is outside like a neighborhood shelters okay. that they, they built specially for that. And uh, yeah, we are, unfortunately, they are live with that, you know. For them, it's like a normal room in the house. Um, but, uh, it, it, this attack went on for some time, uh, and where you were hiding, did you feel safe there? Um, not really, uh, because this is the first time in Israel history where they managed to actually physically went into Israel and kidnap civilians. Right. Uh, this is all new to Israel. It's never happened before. It was uh, something that Israel never experienced before. You know, we had soldiers being kidnapped into Gaza, but it was not like a massive like this. And so many civilians, and they actually, like, there was like, I, I think 1,500 of them went into Israel yes. and started going around in the kibbutz and killing everybody. So it was shocking. There is a lot of, like, people were freaking out there. Every time we hear about more uh, terrorists uh, getting into the Israel, uh, people just 
they don't go to sleep, first of all. Right. Like, until the morning, it's hard to sleep there because you're scared. Make sure everything is locked and, you know, staying in a bunker room and, and make sure they cannot go into your house and attack you. It's a horrible feeling, horrible feeling. Is there anger there? Or I know there's sadness because there's so many people were were brutalized in horrific ways and children and women and old people. <sighs> Uh, but I imagine there's got there must be uh, an amazing unity there uh, and and a lot of anger and who is the I know the anger is obviously at Hamas but do the Israel do Israelis believe their that their uh, their government is is uh, uh, you know operating the they, they approve of the way uh, uh, Netanyahu handles things like this. Um, I don't think uh, this is like, you know, the right time to blame anybody. No, no, no. I'm not trying to blame yeah. it. I mean, you feel like they, like they have your back. Bibi, like Netanyahu has the people of Israel's back. A hundred percent. Yes. And, yes. and there doesn't seem to be a lot of pushback from Israelis. Uh, normally, when there's something uh, there, the, the, the Western media and the Western leaders, politicians, call Israel as a restraint, restraint, restraint. I haven't seen that this time around. Is there any call for restraint uh, from uh, Israeli Jews? A... What do you mean by restraint? Um, like, like, don't, uh, uh, not so much military. Like, maybe you're you're killing too many, or you're bombing too many buildings in Gaza. Slow down a little bit. We, no, no, no. We are the only uh, considering country. We are sending a note before we're bombing there for civilians to run away. The Hamas using uh, their civilian as a shield, you yes. know. Yep. They are uh, not letting them get out of Gaza. They all want to run to Egypt. The Hamas doesn't let them go out. The, the, believe me, after we're going to finish with Hamas, the civilians will be happy to get rid of them because they're controlled by the Hamas there. They, they, are, they don't like to be under this control, too. Do you, they, they're scared. Right. I, I, we've seen a lot of videos from Gaza, from young Palestinian children that are being taught to hate Jewish people. They want to stab Jewish people, run them over with a car. But I gather that that's not the feeling of, uh, is, or is it the feeling of the majority of Palestinians? Do they, if you had to take a, a guess, how many, what percent of civilians support Gaza? I mean, support Hamas, because a lot of people, it would seem to the Western world, that a lot of Palestinians support what Hamas is doing, but you're saying that many of them don't. I'll tell you something. They support them from fear. Because if they're not going to support them, they will be died. They will be killed. Uh, you understand? Yes. They, they support them because they're scared. It's like they've been forced to support them. Let's put it that way. They, they don't like to be under that, you know, uh, um, control of Hamas. But they have no choice. They have no choice. I'm sure no mother will want her kids to die and send them to bomb themselves, you know? Right. But over there, they have no choice, and they train them from young age. When they go to school, and all they learn is to hate and kill. And, and, and they, you know, it's, it's brainwashed from young age. Right. What what yeah. do you think? We're talking with Tally. She is uh, recently uh, uh, flown out of Israel. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, once the attacks started, she just home yesterday. Do you think, Tally? In your opinion, is it possible for peace there? And if so, what has to happen 
before peace can be achieved there? Unfortunately, you cannot make peace with them. Why? There will be no peace, and not from our side, from their side, because they grew up with so much hate that they don't want peace. Right. You know, they just want uh, all of us to die. They don't like the Jews, and it's not just the Jews. Everybody that doesn't believe like them, they don't like the American either. Right. You know? They don't like the West. The, the, exactly. This is this is Hamas. It's ISIS. Exactly. And they found flags of ISIS with, on some of the terrorists that our army managed to kill. Uh, is it possible to erase that ideology, that mindset in the, in the Middle East? I mean, it seems to me that, that Hamas in Gaza is the problem. West Bank is not so much a problem. I know there's Hezbollah in, in, in Lebanon there that... But is it possible to uh, uh, impress upon <laughs> Hamas uh, from the massive destruction they see there to, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the IDF would love to eliminate them for good physically if possible. That seems to be the goal. Do you think that at some point they can show them that Israel means business? We lost almost all of Hamas and we lost many, many civilians. Maybe we should not fight every Jew for the rest of our lives. You can't. They, they, you, you can't change their mind. It's, it's hard because they don't, they don't teach and they don't learn love. They don't learn to value life. They believe on to die for, you know, Allah, for God. They, it, it's hard to change the, their mind. And they get a, a, a brainwashed from, from Iran. Uh, and from their leader sitting somewhere else and, and just, you know, tell them to go and uh, kill themselves. And, and, right. and for them, their belief that they become like Shahid, like holy when they die. Right. So it's so, so sick. It's a very sick. Very sick, you know, mind the way they think. There's, Tally, there's a, many people in the West, I'm sure you're aware, liberal people here in the West that that are sympathetic to Palestinians. And they, they believe things that uh, have become, you know, lies that have become truths, um, that Israel is a, 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 a colonizer, <laughs> that they're, I mean, how do you deal with Westerners and liberal people that, 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 symp- that sympathize and 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 sickly and sadly enough, some in America even celebrated what Hamas did. I mean, what can you say to these people to help them understand the situation? I will recommend them to go and live in Gaza for a week. <laughs> that will change their mind for sure. Uh, I mean, we have outrageous groups here, gay people, homosexual people here in the West, Believe that I mean they've gone and march gave people for queer LGBTQ people for Palestine. What do you t- yeah. what would you say to those people? They will get killed first. Let's put it that way. They're first to die. The Hamas don't like the gay people. They will kill them, and they don't. You know, they against them. So I don't know why they support them because they're gonna get killed first when as soon as they get to Gaza. Wow. Um, so, yeah. so the blockades there were lifted and before these attacks came. And there was a time when the blockades were open and people went back and forth and they worked in Israel and they and they bought goods and food and, and, and things of that nature. Um, and then they shut down because of 
terrorist acts, you know, while the, you know, every time there's an attempt to have a, a, a peaceful relation and some, you know, uh, some economic uh, commerce in between uh, Gaza and, and Israel, there's a, there's terrorism, terrorism, terrorism. Um, do you feel like there is, I mean, I know there's a lot of Arabs that live, as Israeli Arabs that live in, in, in Israel and, you know, doctors and lawyers and um, but they're a different brand uh, of, you know, a different, a different kind of uh, person. Why can they have tolerance and, and others cannot? The, so, so the way Hamas thinks, the Arab that live in Israel and they have Israeli ID and they get, they live just like any other Israeli, you know? They, mm-hmm. don't, they, they don't get any, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're not special. Uh, right. Yeah. They they think they are traitors. So they hate them as well. Yeah, they hate them as well. When Hamas bombing Israel, they don't they don't care if they kill uh, Arabs, Muslims that live in Israel. For them, they they are like us. They just don't care. Hmm. So of course, the Israeli uh, Arabs, the Muslims that live in Israel, they support Israel. They don't. you know, they think that Israel is a free country. This is the only country that Muslim can live inside and not get killed uh, for, a, let's say, a woman showing her arms or right. you know, stuff like that. Right. They have freedom, you know, in Israel. It's just, it's just, uh, it's hard for most people over here to understand it. A, they don't understand the history uh, of the region and and be either fed every lie that can be fed that Israel is an aggressor um, um, how how do the Israel Israeli people keep it together tally I mean how do they I mean they're they're it's it, it, it's a very close community they're all very defensive they're all love their country uh, and and want to defend it uh, what gets Israelis through a lot of people would say I would get out of there because you're gonna be dead at some point. Uh, if this keeps up there, what what keeps the Israeli people going? You know, first of all, uh, we believe that uh, we all together, you know, yep. we are uh, supporting each other. And uh, this is the promised land that God promised us, you yep. know, we and that's the only Jewish land. We cannot give it up. So we fought for it, and we are all united together. So, I mean, we don't have any other place, safe place, uh, you know, for a, a Jewish country. Right. Since the Holocaust, we've been trying, we've been killed in Europe, and this is the land that safe land for us. Yeah. Why do you yeah, imagine? Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I say everybody around that want to kill us and want this land, but yeah. we're protecting ourselves. We have a very strong army, and it's understandable. Yes, you know? the IDF is imp- very impressive. I'm so supportive of the IDF. I, I gave uh, to the Friends of the IDF charity, because, uh, and that's what we recommend here. FIDF.org is a great charity. Why, Tally, why won't uh, other Muslim nations like Egypt or Jordan or Lebanon ex- absorb these uh, Palestinian people, uh, they're Arab brothers and sisters, right? Why Why can't they? I mean, there's a problem now with Palestinians crossing into uh, Egypt because Egypt doesn't, I guess, doesn't want them there. Why not? They don't want them there because they don't want Hamas. 
Uh, and they don't if know they're gonna, if they're gonna open border for them. They know it's a trouble. Uh, they know it's a trouble. Hamas will get there, and then there's gonna be troubles over there too. I see. So they don't they don't know who's Hamas and who isn't Hamas. No, they don't. They don't. Wow. They don't. And 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 I I I mean I can understand them. Right. You oh know? yes, I do too. <laughs> At this point, I understand them. Yeah, um, exactly. They don't want to be controlled by Hamas, and Hamas uh, is growing. You know. Do you and think? They, de- do they you- destroyed everywhere they go. They destroyed the land. They destroyed. They take all the money from the civilian. Civilian. They don't have nothing to eat there. Right. There's Whatever no- support they get from other countries, they take everything for uh, buying missiles, buying weapons. They don't. The kids there. They don't get education. We were supporting them. Actually, we were giving them water and food and and, and med- medicines and everything they needed. Electricity ev- too. Yeah. Electricity, everything. We were uh, we were giving them everything, and and they were using all the money they get uh, against us. They're building missiles. They're building tunnels. They. And they just just to attack us. So of course, no other country wants this in their territory. You right. know. Uh, Tally, tell me the average day there. Is there days? Were there days in Israel where you don't worry about a, a, a rocket hitting hitting you? Is there are there days that are nice and normal, or or is every day a tense uh, uh, and uh, full of anxiety and worry? So, not necessarily with rockets, because uh, we we sometimes we get. Um, terrorist attack, like they're getting, sneaking into Israel and start shooting people or stabbing people and uh, or running people with cars and yeah. kill them. Um, but if you're talking about from Gaza, from Hamas, uh, what happened is they are uh, taking a break for like a year or two, uh, building them up, uh, collecting enough missiles and everything, and then they attack. So... <clears throat> Every year or so, they have time, mostly around Ramadan or, you know, stuff like that, that they're deciding to attack. We attack them back. They're trying to ask for a quiet and a, and to stop it. And then uh, doing it again. Yeah. It's an endless cycle. Tally, thank you so much for uh, for spending time. I hope we stay in touch with you uh, and check back in. Do you check back in with uh, your friends and family in Israel regularly? Yes, I talk to them every every day. Uh, my yeah. nephew is in Gaza, is fighting right now as we're speaking. Wow, he's, he's in the IDF. Um, yes, and oh. uh, we have we hoping you know for his safe return for all the IDF soldiers to return safely, yeah. and we hope not to lose uh, too many lives there because it's horrific. Yeah. Tally, thank you again very much and bless you. Uh, we're, we all stand here with Israel and, and uh, bless you and your people. And we'll, st- we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much for I, your time. I do want to thank uh, Ron, uh, the governor, Ron DeSantis, for everything he does for the state of Israel. Absolutely. He's and definitely a friend of Israel. Yes, Florida, he is. Florida is for sure. He is amazing. Yes. Tally, thank you so much. Right. Bless you. Have thank a great you. day. Thank you. Bye-bye. I appreciate it. You too. Bye bye. <clears throat> Um, you know, there's a place that you can get free Halloween candy.
sent to your house if you run out? I'm ready for it. So do I have to have? Do I have to give it out to the kids, or can I just keep it? It sounds like a racket. Like it, like it. It's obviously going to be abused. It's uh, the M and M's people. They will dispatch free Halloween emergency rescue squad to refill your candy bowl if you run out. Yeah, it just sounds like M and M's running promotion where they're giving away free candy. Right for you to give away to kids. Anyway, Heather, thank uh, your friend Tally again for us. That was really awesome. And, and maybe we can stay in touch with her. She can give us some updates. She has an inside you know, line. Oh, for sure. Cool. Well, we've returned. Our buddy uh, Eric Matheny will join us. Stick around. Well, i got to make this stuff here. I'm sure he's got a lot uh, uh, on his mind, speaker-wise, Israel-wise. Are we going to war-wise? Uh, we'll get it next. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. I'm William Shatner, and I've been around a long time, but I'm truly humbled when I see the real battles our brave, paralyzed veterans have faced defending our freedom. I was on a routine patrol, and uh, we were in the desert of Kuwait, and the vehicle flipped and landed on top of me, which uh, left me paralyzed from the waist down. Okay, folks, this, this, this is heroism. That's why I'm proud to support Paralyzed Veterans of America. Go to pva.org to learn how you can make a difference. WFYY HD3 Windermere, WXUS HD3, W266DY Donellan, WZLB Valparaiso, Florida Man Radio. The Sinaola cartel, seriously, about this fentanyl, fentanyl business. Uh, I, I, you know, maybe there's some virtuous, you know, they want to stop. I mean, they just want to get back to classic Peruvian nose dust. Right. Well, people can uh, chop out a line or even accept a key bump from a stranger in a nightclub bathroom without fear of overdosing. Yeah, for a while it was bringing people together. <laughs> they just want to get back to, they don't want to kill people. They just want people to be able to have a good time with their product. Um, there was a, uh, I mean, there was a, uh, a, a fentanyl processing, processing lab in a Culiacan. That's the Mexico Sinaloa state there. Um, they were the leading exporter to the United States, prohibiting uh, production of trafficking. Uh, now the orders come to stop it, to knock it off. And it's because they understand business. The Chapitos, the group led by the uh, four sons of El Chapo, understand that, you know, people are buying less cocaine because they don't know whether or not it is tainted with the fentanyl. Uh, so they've just cut the fence. Look, look, we're no, we're, we're, we know our market, and uh, there's fear about the product uh, that it could be, you know, dangerous, more dangerous than it is, <laughs> uh, and knock it off. I bet, I'm, I'm sure the profit margins on the cocaine were much higher too. With fentanyl in it? Well, no, without. I mean, when back when they were just selling straight cocaine, uh, the, there's probably more money into it. Now that they don't know if there's fentanyl in it, people are not buying the cocaine anymore. They're losing out some money. Uh, well, they still they still deal in heroin, Mexican heroin. Yeah, I mean, what can you do? But they don't deal 
and fentanyl anymore. Or they're, they're heavy in the cocaine. I mean, fentanyl was designed to be a, oh, is that right? It was designed to be a synthetic heroin. So it's not to be uh, meant to mix in the cocaine. Uh, we check in with our friend Eric Matheny from the Bob and Eric Save America podcast, among many, many, many other things. Uh, find out where you get your social media at Eric M. Matheny. Eric, how are you, buddy? What's happening? Doing well. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. Let's start at the top. Let me just ask you, do you think Biden is looking for a war? Uh, I don't think it's just Biden. I think probably 90% of Washington is looking for a war. I think they've been looking for a war ever since they lost the White House when Obama left. I mean, there hasn't been a new war since can't remember when. And, you know, here we are really kind of fighting a proxy war with Russia. But, you know, now it sounds like we're ramping up our involvement in, in Israel. I've heard Iran is now making threats. I mean, this really has the makings. If you look at it historically, it really has the makings for a, for a global conflict. And I think that uh, I think nothing would be better politically for Biden. I think he'd love to be a wartime president. I think he's going to gain a lot of uh, support from those lukewarm rhino Republicans. I think they'd love to be in another war. And, uh, you know, sure enough, you know, Russia's going to throw its hat into the ring. I mean, they're going to back Iran. China's going to get involved. This is, you know, again, this is really terrifying. And I've been saying it a lot. I said it on my program. It really feels like we're in that second Obama term where when you go to a theater, you go to a sporting event, you're thinking about terrorism. I mean, think about the 7 million people who have entered this country illegally in the last three years. You know, Shannon, we shut down the country over a virus with a 99% survival rate. So one out of 100, if we could save one out of 100, we're going to shut everything down. Right. Think about that number and then multiply it exponentially and think about how much danger is coming into this country through that open border, how many people we don't know who they are, who they're affiliated with, what they believe, what they're capable of. If just one gets across, it doesn't take much. Right. A shooter, a, a bomb, a chemical weapon, and that border's wide open. Nobody on either side. We got the Republican-controlled House hasn't done a bit of good as far as stemming the flow on the border. And sure enough, the Biden administration isn't going to do anything. So we are a uh, uh, world is not in a good place today. I'm concerned about the 1.5 million gotaways. The 7 million people bother me. But the ones who, who came in a way, the way I look at it is they could have come, walked across like anyone else, uh, allow themselves to be apprehended and processed, given their free cell phone and, and their gift cards and sent along their way. But we'd have their 411, their info, who they are, et cetera. The ones that didn't do that, when they could have easily just walked across, there's a reason they were gotaways and swam over or climbed a fence or whatever, because they don't want us to know who they are. And it just today, it was reported we've found a couple of, you know, uh, 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 Iranians of interests, you know, uh, Egyptians of interest at the border. That's what frightens me uh, more than anything else uh, is that type of thing, because it would be used to change the way we vote. Maybe come 2024, we'll make the president, make uh, Biden a wartime president. Um, uh, do you think it could be used to lock us down? Well, I think anything's possible. I mean, let's think about this in terms of where we were back in 2020. You know, coming in a January, February, March of 2020, all of a sudden it's COVID, and that changed that changed history. Um, would a global conflict have the same effect? Would we have to lock down? I mean, people are so conditioned already to it. I don't think it would take much. I think, granted, you know, 50% of the country or more, uh, you know, if you said, you know, take shelter, lock down, I, I think they would. I think they've gotten so conditioned to it. But, yes, of course, um, Biden or whoever it is, because I'm hearing a lot of, 
uh, rumblings about other people, maybe that's going to be the big surprise. They pull him out. I was just at Clay Clark's event this past weekend, and people are talking about Michelle Obama. They're talking about mm. Gavin Newsom. So it may not be Biden, but really it doesn't matter who's in place because it, it, it's a regime. It's, a, uh, it, right. it's, it's something nefarious, something evil uh, that is lurking that really seeks to deprive Americans of that sense of security so you'll give in to the government. There's the same people that did it with COVID. Um, and the one thing that we had with, with Trump, you know, we had safety. We had safety in the world. We did not get involved in any other world wars because people thought, you know, this guy's crazy. This guy's unpredictable. I don't want to mess with him. Uh, they know Joe Biden. They've known him for 50 years. They know what he's capable of, more importantly, what he's certainly not capable of or not willing to be capable of. Um, there's no fear. Every time he walks up a set, you know, they have to give him, like, the little ramps now, like three to five steps right. to give your dog to get up on your bed. They give him that. <laughs> <laughs> he falls down on that. I mean, they can't even they can't even get that right. You got to understand. Like we sit here and we joke about it, we we laugh about it, but our enemies are salivating. They're looking at that and going, like, my God, this is what we've been waiting for a week in America. They've always hated us. That we're never going to win hearts and minds or say love America. They they don't want that. But my God, we could keep them at bay with fear. I mean, the spectacle of fearsome acts like they're saying gangs in New York and. You know, we don't have that anymore. Every time some full bird colonel is wearing a dog mask, or you see a whole bunch of you know high ranking generals and admirals, males and in skirts, yeah. we're not instilling fear in anybody. Right. Um, with a second carrier group being sent to the area, I mean, one meant. Uh, okay, look, we're here in case the other guys want to get squirrely with Israel. We're here, but what do you make of the second one? To me, it just says we it's we're we're bent on uh, on war. We we are we are bent on war, and we are. And I've I've thought this. You know, Israel's more than capable of defending itself. Obviously, we're watching that. You right. know, right now they're tearing up Gaza. And you can have your opinions about that and whatever they may be. But the bottom line is that, yeah, we can support Israel. We can, you know, our hearts are with Israel. But is this our conflict? No, I don't think it is our conflict. I think that Israel is more than capable of defending itself. And Benjamin Netanyahu, you can find the footage. He's come out and he said that before, like, we can defend ourselves. Right. They've been doing it for 70 years. Um, but I, I think, you know, the, the war machine, that uniparty in, in Washington, if there's one thing that's bipartisan, it's war. war. Yeah. Both sides love war. <laughs> there's money to be made. There's power to be had. I mean, it, it, a lot of people profit, um, you know, politically, financially from war. And, you know, they're getting rich on both sides. They'd be nothing more than uh, delighted. To, to get involved in this, and you get Iran and Russia and China in the mix, uh, you know, it changes everything. I mean, imagine if we're in a world war. You know, what does that mean for our election coming up? What does that mean for our individual liberties at home? And then if you have the spectacle of fear of all these people we've let in, you don't know who you've let in. You know, now we have to start thinking about that. Okay, if I go to the ball game, or I go to a theater. Is there going to be a terror attack? And I think something sadly, I think something's going to happen here. Um, and it's it's going to. I mean, we've been forever changed since 9-11, but I want to feel like in those Trump years, we really started to come back from that, and it wasn't yeah. part of our like daily thought process. But now it is, and it's back, and we don't know who's here, and we see what's going on in the world. And, um, I, and this, this is, this is a, a 100% direct reflection of the lack of American might, of American leadership, of just exuding that strength on the world stage. This is the price we pay for that. 
Um, uh, what is my... There's been a lot of misinformation, talk people, whatever, people alleging misinformation, mainly liberals. If you say something they disagree with, it's misinformation. If you have a difference of opinion, it's misinformation. We must tackle the misinformation. Yeah, yet Ilan Omar comes out and really lays on a thick layer of misinformation uh, and really tries to get people to believe that the dead Syrian children were our dead Palestinian children killed by Israel. Uh, You've got, uh, uh, who is it, Uh, Corey Bush wanting to de-escalate she's uh, you know introduced a resolution um is the squad going to get any attention here because we're they're also talking about bringing over one million palestinian refugees which i think you know as well as i do that would change america forever well w- one million of anything i don't care if it's one million <laughs> right. Palestinians yeah. or one one million swedes one million of anything is going to change the landscape of this country forever now here's the thing People that chant death to America and teach their five-year-old kids like to kill the Jew pig, I don't want those people in my country. I don't want to see you die. I don't want to see your children die. I don't want to see you lose your homes. War is hell. But I don't want you in my country. Our cultures do not mesh. We're not the same. I wouldn't fit in in Palestine. You're not going to fit in in Florida. Let's keep it that way, and that's all well and good. I can respect your culture, your religion, your faith, everything, but we don't necessarily have to marry the two. And I think we're learning. We've seen just the mistake of thinking like we are the world that will all join hands, and we're going to bring these diametrically opposed viewpoints together, stick them in a confined space, and say, live in harmony. That's the whole problem with Israel and Palestine. That's why they're in the conflict they're in. So Germany, U.K., France is seeing that, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, importing, like, let's take in a million people from here, a million people there. These are cultures that have nothing in common. It's more important. I mean, the left loves to preach diversity, diversity, but I argue that commonality, that unifying principles are far more important for a culture than diversity for diversity's sake. Right. And that's, you know, diversity of thought, diversity of ideas is the true diversity, but you can't have a culture without unifying principles. You can't have a country without that. And if you're a Muslim country or you're based on these uh, Muslim principles, it contradicts with Judeo-Christian principles. It doesn't mean that one's necessarily better than the other. I have my opinions. I think one is better than the other. It's a way of life that I prefer, and I think a lot of people in Muslim countries would prefer our way of life, but it just it doesn't work. And bringing a million people uh, from anywhere in the world, I mean, you're, you're changing the face of the country, but you know, sadly, and as we've seen over many, many years, that seems to be the goal of the left, is to change the face of this country, is to change yes. the landscape, uh, and and do it, you know, not with any, uh, uh, not necessarily with any philanthropic intent, but to gain power. So you know, it's the same reason with open borders. Is let, let's bring these people here, uh, people who are abused and people who are exploited. Let's bring them here to further abuse and further exploit them <laughs> by plying them with public assistance and having them do the cheap labor jobs. We'll come into their communities and say, hey. You know, who brought you here? Who gave you your citizenship? Who gives you your food stamps? And on the other side of that coin is the right, who's in bed with big sugar and in bed with the manufacturers and right. the farms that need the cheap labor because no Gen Z idiot who's getting a gender study degree is going to go pick cabbage. They're not going to do it. They're going to demand $170,000 a year to be an activist. Right. Uh, the... 
the left is learning a lesson here. I, I see, you know, the 30 student groups out of Harvard that sign a, a letter, uh, you know, blaming the Israeli regime entirely responsible for the mass killings of and kidnappings of Israelis. Uh, they face a heavy backlash. Some of them sticking to their guns. Some of them not so much. Then the money starts to dry up. Ken Griffin says, I'm not going to give you a half a billion dollars like I did last year. Uh, you've got other businessmen like uh, Ackerman who said, uh, myself and a bunch of other CEOs have, uh, want the list of people that sign these letters because we, we will vow never to hire any of these Harvard grads. Are we seeing a cancel culture in reverse here? Um, I think so. I'm surprised that it's taken them this long. And honestly, like with the BLM, I saw BLM Chicago. They got rid of it really quickly. But they posted a, a like an image, almost like an iconic uh, image of a, of a paratrooper. And obviously those paratroopers yeah. landed at a concert and, and committed yeah. atrocities on civilians. Um I think people, if they haven't figured it out by now, and frankly, if you were giving money to BLM in these groups last year, you're a couple of years too late. Because I thought we realized very soon after 2020 that it was just a big scam and we bought mansions for all these people. Right. Um, I, I think you are seeing, I, I think the, the left, we always talk about the pendulum swinging back the other way. And the thing is, I think we as human beings, whatever side you're on, there's a tendency to push, 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 and push that envelope as far as you can go. And you got to remember that most people, despite what you see on social media, most people are somewhere in the middle, either center right or center left. The majority of Americans are not far left. The majority of Americans are not far right. They just make the most uh, obscene comments, and they, they say the most outrageous things. It just gets the most attention. So I think now the far left pushing, 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 you know, defunding police, dismantling police, you know, doing all these things, and then finally saying, like, okay, we're applauding Palestine, and we stand with you after you committed a war crime. You know, I, I think finally that's that's the bottom line for a lot of people. And and remember, you know, even far right or far left people are looking at it, going like, "Whoa, I didn't sign up for this." Like, I'm, there are a lot of Jews, way too many Jews, in my opinion, who support democratic policies because, yep. as my Jewish family members yep. always tell me, they see the Democrats as being more of a sympathetic party to the plight of people who you know have come here and struggled because the Jews themselves have they've got you know three thousand years of struggle and plight and and I understand that to a degree although I think it's misguided but I think they're finally seeing like wow you know you want to talk about you know Donald Trump got in more trouble for saying good people on both sides than the left has gotten in for basically siding with authentic Nazi behavior like let's go in and kill a bunch of Jews. Um, yeah, it's really terrible. But yeah, I think you are seeing some degree of cancel culture in reverse. Uh, what do you make of DeSantis's uh, plane flight? Uh, uh, we just spoke with a young lady, an Israeli woman named uh, Tally, who who was uh, flown out. Uh, was very grateful for DeSantis uh, uh, flying her out. Came in last night, as a matter of fact. Um, is it a stunt? Uh, how, why were these people helped by the United States government? Um, what do you make of it? Well, you know, look, uh, Corey Mills also, our you know, congressman here in Florida, he's also yes. like 96 out. Yep. Hey, you know what? Like, I've always said, like, I'm not supporting DeSantis for president. I don't think he's the best candidate for president, but I don't have anything against him. I think he's done a good job in Florida, and I'm not going to you know, play the, the, the game where I'm, you know, everything DeSantis does is now wrong because I'm supporting Trump in the primary. It's great. Look, whether he's doing it for clout, whether he's doing it for genuine reasons, honestly, his his motives, I'll never know what his true motives are. The bottom line is he's doing something more than our government is doing. Yeah. If he gets just one American home, my hat's off to him. I mean, honestly, I, I, I really, my, my beef with DeSantis is that 
you know, he didn't read the room and he you know, kind of pissed on most of his supporters who also support Trump. You know, Trump and DeSantis go hand in hand with each other, and I never wanted to see a custody battle between the two of them. But hey, you know, if if DeSantis does something that helps Americans, you know, absolutely take right. my hat off to him and. Yeah, thankfully he did that. What do you make of the uh, the judge's latest gag order for Trump? Uh, and will they will they stick him in jail? You know, I uh, we've talked about that, and I've I've thought you know it's coming and coming, and and it's going to get harsher and harsher. Um, I always thought like this judge, obviously she's going to protect her record, she's going to protect her image, and kind of try to protect the illusion of everything going on. She's going to, you know, there's going to be a gag order. Then there's going to be a more restrictive gag order. Then there's going to be a more restrictive gag order. And mind you, this is kneecapping him as far as being able to campaign. However, Donald Trump is not disciplined. And I can imagine him as much as I respect him and want him to be president again. I, as a lawyer, would not want to represent him because I think he'd probably be a very difficult client. Um, I don't think he can help himself. You have to remember, Donald Trump is 77 years old. He's a billionaire. He's been president, and he sleeps with a supermodel. So everything that he's done in his life has worked. He's, he's achieved tremendous success doing what he does. So do you think in his 77-year-old brain he's going to go, gosh, I really need to change? That's not who he is. I think he can't help himself. He loves the adulation. He loves the voice he has. He's He's going to say something that he's that's going to get him in trouble. I, I think they're going to give him many chances because they know the the effect and the image what is that's going to do by putting him in custody. But I would not be surprised if, as we get closer and closer to the to the election, um, he gets you know they, they remand him. I, I I hope to God it doesn't happen. But I think that's ultimately. I mean, that's ultimately where it's going to lead. I mean, ultimately contempt of court. You know what is the, what is the weight that contempt of court has? You, the judge could put you in jail if you don't right. listen to to the court order. So uh, it very well could happen. Very um, well. Would it end up in a house arrest or uh, thirty days or uh, you know? I mean, they, they want to keep him off the campaign trail certainly, um, and this and this would do that. Well, have you ever in your legal career heard of a gag order where the subject of the gag order could not talk about the prosecutor or or, or anyone else, uh, any of his sta- uh, the judge's staff or court staff? Well, I've I've heard gag orders. I've I've seen them. I've I've had them in in cases of mine, and normally that's a high profile case where they don't want you talking to the media. Uh, giving interviews and things like that, so you don't taint a prospective jury pool. Um, as far as making comments, obviously he can't make any disparaging remarks about witnesses because that can be seen as intimidation or witness tampering. But if he wants to go on Truth Social Day, I think the prosecutor is a you know a thug or whatever he wants to call him. I've never heard of that in my life. Even if you wanted to insult the judge, now obviously I don't think it's a smart move to insult <laughs> the judge you're in front of. Right. Uh, but I that's just still that's just common sense. But to, to not be able to say anything or express your opinion about the prosecutor, um, unless you're making threats to the prosecutor or revealing like personal information, like this is where the prosecutor lives, no, I've never seen a, a gag order like that. Um, but uh, it, when, when you ask, like, is Trump going to get 30, would he get 30 days? No, he, he'd, have his, he'd have his pretrial release revoked, and he would go into custody pending trial, waiting for oh. trial. That's going to be the ultimate you know, hammer that falls on him if it does. Um, but I think before we get there, I think the judge even might, um, you know, ultimately, like, the judge could take his social media privileges away. I mean, it could say, like, you cannot post on social media. Um, wow. Judges could do that. I mean, when you're a defendant in a criminal case, I mean, your your free speech rights, uh, you know, to a degree are curtailed. 
um, in the interest of meeting out justice. So, um, you know, I, I hope it's it's a it's a very it's a very frustrating situation to be in because you want Trump to be Trump and to, and to speak his mind and to say what he wants to say, but you know, on the other hand, like what he's up against, he's up against the full force of the U.S. government, and I can tell you, you know, 16 years doing this, that the last thing you want to be is a target of either state or federal government. Yeah. They will screw you more ways than you can imagine. Are we going to get a speaker tomorrow? Ha, I hope. Jim Jordan, I hope. But let me tell you something. Jim Jordan, I respect him. I hope to God he's my speaker. Uh, I, I hope that I hope that he wins, but I want to see a process. I want to see debate. I want to see argument, and I want to see accountability. I love Jim Jordan. I respect him. I think he's going to be a great speaker if he wins, but if he doesn't deliver, motion to vacate. Nobody is above that just because someone's more MAGA-aligned or more right. America first or you know more populist. We have to hold everybody accountable, and I think he will be, and I think he'll be accountable, but if he doesn't deliver... You know, he needs to be out there uh, just like Kevin McCarthy was. Excellent. Eric Matheny, ladies and gentlemen, uh, listen to the Bob and Eric uh, Save America podcast. Get it wherever you get your podcast. Also, follow Eric. He's a great follow on social media, at Eric M. Matheny. Eric, thank you for your time, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good one, man. See you. Uh, all right. Whoa. When we return... I'll tell you what the funeral worker took the liberty to use. It belonged to a dead man he had just recently taken to the funeral home. He noticed something in his home, said, man, that looks kind of cool. Wanted to take it with him, couldn't take it with him. Then he went home and or didn't, he went back to the guy's house and he uh, utilized this item in a most disgusting way. And then he was busted for it, <laughs> which is even weirder. Stick around. Oh, your remarks as well. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. A veteran's hope. Where are you hiding? I search for you in the seconds. The minutes of each and every day. Hear me as I call out to you. Take my hand. Lift me up as I lift up others. Welcome me home, father, mother, sister, brother, son, daughter. Hear us now. Alone we stood, divided we fell. No longer. Now we choose to make the connection. Our new mission lies within. Visit maketheconnection.net to learn more. My dad served in Vietnam, the 82nd Airborne Division. He never talked about it. And my mom knew not to ask. So dad buried himself in work and self-medicated and would lose his temper sometimes. Loud noises would put him on edge. It got rough. So I finally said to him, Dad, you gotta get help. As a family member or friend, you may be the first to notice when a veteran you love has been going through changes. Things like withdrawing, drinking more, or increased anger could be a sign of a larger health concern, but help is available. Dad finally went to VA for one-on-one -on -one and group therapy and got some really great tools to help him manage things. And I got my dad back. 
Listen to hundreds of inspiring stories at maketheconnection.net and learn how you can support the veterans in your life. Treatment works. Recovery is possible. You might think that you're doing fine because you're not addicted to drugs. You know, you don't have a, you don't have a drug problem. According to a new study, though, uh, you've got to be very, very careful out there. Um, a ultra-processed food, or UPF, uh, you might find it is uh, addictive, like you can't stop eating it, tastes so good. Uh, a new study from University of Michigan uh, now uh, concludes that ice cream, things like ice cream and potato chips, are just as addictive as cocaine or heroin. Yeah, okay. Well, when I see someone trading their baby for a bag of Lay's potato chips, I don't know. <laughs> More than one in ten people are hooked. Now, if you like to eat uh, 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 an Eskimo pie every night, uh, and then one night you're out and you can't get them, you're trying to you know, go cold turkey on them, are you, are you, do you go into withdrawal symptoms? Uh, I'll usually break into my neighbor's car to see if I can get loose change out of it so <laughs> I go buy some more. Uh, you know, they say uncontrollable and excessive consumption, it, it, it causes uncontrollable excessive consumption cravings continued intake despite potential negative health uh, outcomes. Many uh, UPFs for many people, are addictive. And when people experience food addiction, it's always to an ultra-processed food product that's giving them that addiction. Um, but exactly why is remains a mystery. It's not like nicotine or tobacco, you, you know, uh, uh, like a single ingredient that, in it that makes you addictive, but rather uh, contraindications of multiple things. But even naturally food, natural foods have more carbs and, uh, uh, or more fats, but not high levels of, of both, where UPFs have disproportionately high levels of both. Yeah, well, again, when I see somebody shaking and I ask them what's going on, they're saying, I'm detoxing from Snickers. Man, could you help me with some M&Ms, bro? Oh, that's it for us today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Uh, we're back tomorrow at 3 Eastern, 2 Central. Bubba the Love Sponge gets the whole network started uh, in the morning. And then it's Don Miller time. We'll see you tomorrow on the Florida Man Radio Network. I am Shannon Burke. Good night. Roxanne Watson is on a mission. Hello, how are you doing today? She wants more people to register as organ, eye, and tissue donors. Are you an organ donor? Yes, I am. Yay. My goal is to sign up the most people in the United States. <laughs> what drives her? Roxanne's own life was saved through the gift of a heart transplant, made possible by an organ donor. I decided that day that I was going to devote myself to the cause of organ donation and signing people up and honoring my donor by doing that. Now she's back to health, and she's a powerful force, helping to save lives every day through her work. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Eight people can be helped 
with the major organs and up to 50 people can be helped with a little bit of everything. And when you think about it that way, that you could help that many people, it's amazing, it really is. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. I'll be honest, the first few months were tough. When I left the military, I was excited for a fresh start, but civilian life has been harder than I thought it would be. Figuring out a new career while also being a good mom, wife, and friend. Some days I'm barely keeping my head above water. And with the transition and everything I'm juggling, I'm spread too thin. I finally realized that it's hurting my mental health. To get back to enjoying life again, I needed to get help. Opening up to someone was a big step for me. I, I saw that I'm not alone and that there are tools to help me overcome what I'm going through. With support, I feel like I'm heading in the right direction. Discover how other women veterans like me have learned to thrive after military service by taking care of themselves and their mental health. Visit maketheconnection.net slash womenveterans. Nebraska mortuary is in a little bit of trouble. Uh, authorities say Ryan Smith, a 41-year-old uh, who worked for the mortuary, uh, he went and collected a body uh, after a natural death. While he was there, he noticed uh, the he had a there was a life-size, very sexy sex doll there. He called the property manager. Uh, first, first he tried to get him to told him he had to bring it in for some biopsy. You need to swab it or something. And they told him, nah. <laughs> Go ahead. And he called you know, the county sheriff's office and said, you know, the doll was found at the scene. It could be swabbed. And they said, yeah, we're, it's not. Yeah, he's died of natural causes. We don't need to check his sex doll. Yeah. So, uh, the property manager refused. Later, he heard some strange noises coming from the residence and saw Ryan Smith emerge from the apartment with his clothing disheveled. He'd gone back and banged the guy's doll. This guy needs to be locked up forever. He is a menace to society to even consider that. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe the dude banged his own doll and that doll killed him somehow. Maybe some disease, you know. Or he, a guy had a heart attack while, while going after this. I mean, because most people don't leave their sex doll sitting in, like, where they're going to be hanging out. Right. You know, you probably normally <laughs> want to put that away just in case company comes by. Oh, my God. He had sex with it. I hope he at least wore rubber. You're not going to impregnate it. Yeah, but you got to be safe. That's true. <laughs> I, I, you know, you don't know if that guy even cleaned that out ever. Yeah. Oh god, god, that's disgusting. I mean, uh, there's no way that you could look at that doll and like, yeah, so sexy. I got it. I got to have it. I got to break into this guy's house. I'm going to commit burglary, <laughs> breaking and entering in order to have sex with a. Uh, and who knows? He's 41, a guy. I mean, uh, you figured he'd be, you know, he's kind of 
in that age where you think he'd be able to get a real live person, but we don't know. He works at a mortuary, so he, probably not that exciting. Kind of yeah, weird. Either that, or the dead people get to him already. Like, uh, if he's willing to have sex with that doll, you you, you mm-hmm. bet you, you bet your ass he's. Yeah, I'd be watching some footage of whatever he's been. With <laughs> We're gonna have to go to the tape for a while to make sure. Oh, I don't understand the sex doll thing. It's just, I mean, once you're done, don't you just feel? Well, while you're doing it, don't you feel gross? <laughs> the whole thing is nasty. Yeah, but it's like elevated. There's some uh, post clarity when you go, well, this was someone else's sex doll, a dead guy's sex doll. That's even worse. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a point it's to not, it where you're like, ah, it's not even yours. What have I done with my life? God, <laughs> you went into a, a guy died in that apartment, and you went back to what, that. What more? You put in the effort to have them try to deliver it to you, like, hey, just let you know we want to do a little swab yeah, on it. Yeah. <laughs> He came up with a story to have them deliver it to him. Uh, yeah, he did. Well, buy a swab. We got a yeah. We got a bio swab. Yeah, you know, I mean, he could have had uh, COVID nineteen. You definitely want to have that put into you know some uh, you know put it in uh, storage or something like that. Just to make sure it's not spreading anything. Ugh, that's gross. Um, we had a little uh, wrap up of spe- speeding tickets. Like uh, Jokey called earlier, talking about the guy that got a one point four million dollars speeding ticket. Uh, he did. He was going down to Georgia Freeway and uh, in Savannah, ninety to fifty five. So he was handed the 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 the, the ticket, and it said one point one point four million dollars, and he said. Uh, <laughs> He, he uh, called the court, assuming it was a typo. He reportedly was told he either had to pay the sum or appear in court. He said $1.4 million. The lady told me on the phone, this might be a typo. She said, no, no, sir. You either pay the amount on the ticket or you could come to, to court December 21st at one thirty. So that's just a placeholder to make sure that, uh, you know, that he's never expected to pay. They just want to make sure that he goes in front of a judge because he was going uh, 90 and a 55. Yeah, you know, it's a weird, like, almost like bail. Yeah. Because, I mean, you had to show up. Otherwise, that $1.4 million actually goes on to the ticket to charge you. Anybody caught going over 35 miles over the uh, speed limit is called a super speeder there. And the judge will set a real fine. But it cannot exceed a thousand dollars plus whatever the uh, state costs are. He said, "We don't issue the that placeholder as a threat to scare anybody into court, even if this person heard differently from somebody in our organization." Then why would you put it on there? No, they say that's just the way the system prints it out. And right, blah, blah, blah. it's it's a threat to show up to court. Yeah, it's exactly what it's there for. It worked. Uh, I saw this tape from the ladies. Uh, What's it called? The camera, the 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 dash cam. No, the the, the thing on the on the door, the doorbell, doorbell oh, the camera. Ring, doorbell, yeah. ring. A cop in New Hampshire pulled over a dude go uh, speeding down the road. He was a DoorDash driver. Uh, he had some uh, uh, warrants out, and so he had to put him in jail. And the cop took it upon himself by by taking. He knew the address. It wasn't he wasn't far, and he he uh, he got to the home, knocked on the door. <laughs> It said, uh, hey, sorry, I had to arrest your DoorDash driver. Uh, here's your lunch. <laughs> uh, 
I don't know, the cop rings your doorbell and he's holding like a bag from, uh, you know, wherever, whatever, uh, uh, whatever food joint. You yell, toss the stash and then wait for a couple <laughs> seconds before you have the door. <laughs> and one couple, uh, they were uh, a month before their big day. They got a, a big fat ticket, $231 speeding ticket. Um, and so they had about 26 days to pay it and, um, they put it on their wedding registry. So their guests could pay it. I'm torn on this one. I don't know if this is genius or this is dumb. I hate it either way. I think, I think you're wasting an opportunity to get a really good gift. I mean, that is a pretty good gift though. Would you rather get another toaster? That's true. I've got a red light camera ticket right now. I'm thinking about fighting it. Was it's, it you? It's a, yeah, it was me. But I, it's, a, it's a it's a street that I go down, a, a right turn I take every day. Lee in 1792? Yeah, and I'm always, yeah. after the first two I got in a row, uh, I'm always very, very careful to come to a complete stop. You know, if I'm on the motorcycle, I put my foot down so it, you know, that it doesn't look like I'm rolling it. Uh, but, uh, you know. I heard you can't really fight those, or uh, that one you may be able to. I mean, if you have proof that you came to a complete stop, I mean, how can I prove it? Uh, they have can- they have video. It, it rolls a video because I've seen them before where I had one where I went I went to oh, can I request argue. to see the video? Yeah, I, I went to argue and I'm like, hey, I I thought I I said I came to a complete stop. I know that's the right turn. I lo- they f- sent me the film and I definitely kind of rolled through the turn. So yeah, that- they sent you a video of it. Yeah, I- so they've seen the video. Yeah, they've seen it. So probably. Well, no, probably uh, it's more they go and they the camera goes, yeah, because they get a picture of your license and your front and your face, and then they go, that's what they send, and then they'll go back and look and. Oh, can, I'm fine. It. Yeah, if you came to a complete uh, stop, yeah. fight it. Uh, it doesn't have to be. I mean, it could be almost a complete stop, right? Uh, no, you have to come to a complete stop. If you like, for could, you, you, if you complete... do a, a tap and roll, like you you stop, you like, and then roll through, that'll get you. Yeah, that's what I did. I, t- I I came to a complete stop, but I did not the whatever the six seconds or whatever it is oh, you're supposed to say stop. Yeah. And this is uh, such baloney. It really is. It is because mostly there's probably no cop that will ever pull you over for that. So it's only it's the, a money maker. the light that's doing that to you. I wonder if well, I'm gonna try it anyway. I don't know. Uh, it's smart that they're asking for it and to pay for it. I I, I say I hate it. Uh, the new trend I'm seeing, I'm really hating with people is the uh have you seen the cars with the Venmo numbers on the back? And you're like, it's my, uh, it's our honeymoon. Uh, there's a, if you'd like to buy us a drink, here's our Venmo number. And oh no, I'm thinking about just putting it on the back of my truck for all time. <laughs> Nobody knows. I mean, that's not a bad idea. Just put my Venmo on there and see if people give me money. That's not a well, out of rent, just, oh, we'll give that guy some money. That's a nice truck. He keeps it real clean. Yeah. Here's 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> or if it's my truck, that guy needs to clean his truck. Yeah, yeah. If I can't afford it, it's $5. <laughs> Let's get to the remarks from the Florida Man Radio app. Uh, loaded with your uh, archives and such. Uh, all the shows are up there. Down at the bottom is a uh, little microphone button. You can participate in the st- uh, conversation. Here we go. Our petroleum reserves are empty, billions to Iran, billions of equipment to Ukraine and money, billions of equipment left in Afghanistan, spend nothing on our own military, enemy combatants crossing the border, and Israel gets attacked. All a coincidence? That's a good rundown. 
With that much liquor being stolen, I'd keep an eye on the back door at Pelosi at Pelosi's house. I mean, I can't even fathom what 4,277 cases of booze look like. Uh, full, two full trailers? God. According to South Park, turds were measured in coricks. Is that true? Yeah, that's, that's a good. That's an episode. Couric's? Yeah, Katie, because Katie Couric at one point had the largest one. I forget who uh, Bono ends up getting it after uh, him and uh, Stan's dad compete. A similar mammoth turd, as described by Easy earlier, was also left by a Viking, Carl Eller, the six foot six, two hundred fifty pound stalwart. Of the Minnesota Viking Sea didn't flush after the Giants came back in 1977. What is he talking about? Uh, is that a famous story? I guess Carl Aller dropped a big turd in, uh, the, Viking, in the Giants stadium. Oh, he left it there, huh? This is Viking Nerano, and it's my pleasure as a Viking to take wheat and porridge and turn it into a massive turd. To be left underground for thousands of years to be viewed. <laughs> I took wheat and turned it into something beautiful. Boo doo 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 boo doo 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 boo doo 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 boo. Okay. The Palestinians will never stop until they kill every Jew. That's what they want, so that they're. Muslim Savior will come then. When every Jew is killed, their Muslim Savior will appear and reward them. Uh, I thought they get 72 virgins. Is that what they get rewarded with? Something like that. Extra virgin all over. <laughs> Hello, Shannon. It's me. It's Donald Trump. I just wanted to tell you they've placed a gag on her, I mean. I can't believe it. I can't believe they put a gag after they've indicted me. But I got news for you. Guess what, Bonnie Willis? You can gag on something. Gag on this. That would definitely violate the uh, gag order, I believe. And listening to the radio just now. That's right. I sleep with a supermodel. Who else sleeps with a supermodel? Nobody else. It's me, I, Donald Trump. Okay, that's enough Donald Trump. Hamas is not functioning for Palestine for the Palestinian people or the land, um, but for their own selves and radical Islamic ideas, namely back to the Sunni ideology. And um, and that's the, the baseline for that. Um, that's why they're so dangerous. And, you know, they got rid of the Palestinian Authority. And they're a political arm. Well, Kate okay, dropping some Middle East knowledge. Hey, what's up, guys? Sparky352. Yeah, that was a great interview with Tally. You, na- you nailed it, Heather. Good job. Um, unfortunately, man, those people are never going to stop fighting each other. They they hate each other. It's, it's. I mean, Hamas hates the Israels, Israelis. Um, I think they've got the right plan. Just wipe them out. That's about all you can do. It's unfortunate, though. B2B, you guys. Hey guys, excellent show as always. 
wondering if y'all have seen the footage of Trump in his recent uh, speech talking about Israel pulling out of the plot to kill Soleimani at the very last minute, the day before. Trump is really not happy with Netanyahu. And there was a photo op shortly after where they met and Trump turned his back on him before he would shake hands with him. So it makes me wonder what's going on. Hmm. Hmm. That mortician with that man's poor, likely mistreated doll, he, he sounds like um, he's, he's got some, I don't know, awkward. He sounds awkward. <laughs> awkward, huh? Just a bit awkward. It's a tad off. Broke into a dead guy's house to bang his doll. Hey, what's up, guys? Sparky again. Yeah. Unless that dude from the mort, 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 mortuary that was picking up that dead body, unless he had a bottle of, uh, I don't know, portable Vaseline in his pocket, I sure hope he was wearing a rubber. Otherwise, that could, that could hurt. Just saying. Be-do, be-do. Hey, Shannon. I bet that guy was banging that doll so hard that he thought that she would like it. <laughs> <laughs> I went 155 today, but you can see in front of you if there's any cops or not on a straight road I'm on. <laughs> I get, I've get. i been nailed from a, 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 a an airplane. Oh, you actually are the one person that got caught by the airplane? Dude, they catch people all the time on the 75 around Columbia County with the airplane. Well, Tally certainly touched on it. Uh, they do not value life. We've got an enemy that values afterlife more than life, and they are absolutely ruthless about it, and that is a huge problem, especially if we're not willing to be more more ruthless than they are. And our asshat in chief certainly won't do that. He should be droning the S out of them instead of sending troops over there. We are literally going to run out of fuel. He's going to commandeer it from citizens to fuel the military. We're in trouble. Shando, here's the trick on the red light cameras. You register your car that you drive all the time in your wife's name, and she does the same, vice versa. That way, when you roll a red light camera, the ticket goes to her, and she can send the thing in and go, this is clearly not me in the car because it's you who's obviously not a woman. Uh, this Does this have, I think this only has a ticket from the back. No, oh, no, they do. The takes pictures of front too. That's why you see two flashes when you're going through there. So, so it will take a picture of the person in the front seat, but they don't usually care. They'll just say, "Well, this video vehicle is the one that was registered." Oh, they won't care who. Yeah, so whoever owns it is paying the ticket. Yeah, that's all that's going to happen. Come on. Fantastic interview with Tally. That was great. Um, got more information from her in that interview than uh, anything I've gotten from the news lately. Hmm. That's true. We got an inside look from, you know. I mean, there were some definitely some interesting things. I did not know that you literally, your house comes equipped with a bunker. Right. All of them. Not just uh, rich people, everybody. Right, yeah. Every time they get area, And if you don't have one, your neighborhood provides one for you. That's really something. 
And and I, I get the feeling that some that are there, yeah, they're mainly for rockets, but more than that, they got metal doors on them. They're probably for invasion, you know, like a like a a, a safe room situation. Now I'd never drive a hundred on a stretch of road with a lot of traffic and a bunch of side streets. That's just stupid. You deserve a hundred and four million dollar ticket for that. He was on a highway, sir. A 55-mile-an-hour highway. I hope that guy that had the sex doll and died, I really hope he had herpes, and that's why he had the sex doll instead of getting a woman and then passed it on to the guy from the mortuary. What a sick freak. That's pretty gross. And they probably have his evidence. His DNA is probably on the, in the thing, you know? Oh, I mean, he was... Still putting his clothes on when he was running out of the place. So, <laughs> smelled like the uh, like the scent of burning latex in there. Those are the remarks for today's show. Get the app, hit the button. We do it a couple times a day. Um, I don't even know on this ticket if it gave me an option to contest it. It just said pay. It's one hundred forty-one dollars. Yeah, you should have a thing that says. Contest when you go to the so fight. then uh, well I'm not gonna it's the fine's not gonna go up for contesting it right uh, so I might as well contest we, it just to give it a I think you can get the court fees if you are fail to win said contesting oh I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fail I'm gonna prevail just yeah send in all your you got like five I, or six lawyers don't you just yeah. send them in there <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Send somebody from the team over yeah. there. I once beat a ticket uh, uh, at the age of uh, 17 or 18, I think. It was a, a road in Dallas. You got off. It was Mockingbird. It's 35 or 40. And then you go on. I was going under Mockingbird. You get down and then underneath it uh, on Lawther Drive. And I got busted about six blocks down Lawther Drive for speeding. And I went back, and he, and the guy's like, oh, I said, the speed limit's got to be, it's 40 or 45 on Mockingbird. He goes, no, no, it's 30 here. I said, no, 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 it's not. He goes, oh, it's different on this street. I said, oh, yeah? So I went back and took an, oh, my buddy's old VCR camera that they had back then, and I leaned out his window, and I drove down, he drove down the street, and I saw the last speed limit sign on Mockingbird Lane was 40, and then we went down the exit, and I made the left, and and the point where I got the ticket was marked. It had an address, and the so-and-so 100 block. And I went down, like, four more blocks and saw the very first 30-mile-an-hour speed limit sign. Oh, yeah, thanks. I got off, and about two weeks later, there was a 30-mile-an-hour speed limit sign right when you got off of uh, uh, Mockingbird. Look at that. You making changes in the world. I just tried to get out of ticket. I don't, <laughs> I don't care about saving people's lives or anything like that. I, just, I'm not, I don't want to pay this... Uh, uh, exorbitant uh, uh, ticket. <clears throat> Other than that, I, you know, the ticket clinic guys, most people in Florida are concerned about just not getting points. Yeah. I mean, you have to do like the comedy traffic school oh, or something like that. It's the lamest thing in the world, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you. I, I feel bad for those guys because those guys thought they were going to be stand-up comedians. And now they're <laughs> they the are, kind of. They're <laughs> in the bottom of the barrel, though, when it comes to comedy. I mean, you do a traffic school. Right, because they write your material for you. Right, you're just yeah. doing, you know, making funny jokes about stopping at a red light before you make a right hand turn. Uh, I mean, in most places it's okay to make a right on a red. 
This says stop before you go. So stop here. Some people don't. They just stop. They're too afraid to get a ticket. They stop. Oh yeah. And they don't go. They will just sit. And I'm right there. You can go. They point to the sign. It says stop. I I like it. Says stop. Don't stay. It's very confusing. Well, we're gonna get old. Ironside's Birkin there. Yeah, with like a 12-page, you can see right here. Clearly, Your Honor, (laughs) I brought along professional driver as my witness. (laughs) All right, we'll uh, take our final break here, come back and wrap it up for you. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network.